everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. And we are now the official podcast of the PlayAway Discord server, where you can play any kind of paper magic or really any kind of paper TCG that you ever want, should you want to for some reason. Like I said, I have Yu-Gi-Oh! decks still. So if you want to come in and play a Yu-Gi-Oh! deck against me, eh? And we can. Alex, you want to play some Yu-Gi-Oh? I mean, I have some ancient Yu-Gi-Oh! decks, so sure. I've got I've got frog monarchs from back in the day. I and I can play Necroz. I don't know what that is. Against Frognarks. Anyway, I'm here. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Alex. <laughs> How are you? Moved homes, but still the same guy. Uh, I've had a long day, uh, mostly of like university still not being able to deal with stuff being done from home and a year into it. I think it's been about a year since I started university online and they still can't do it. So, you know. The more things change, the more they... You expect too much. Yeah, I, I expected them to be able to operate any type of machine. I got a, a teacher who like completely forgot to send something and literally forgot to tell me something in a conversation. And then I asked and I got a reply a week later and she said, oh, must have been my Wi-Fi. And I was thinking like, we had a conversation about this. <laughs> Is, are your thoughts going through Wi-Fi? <laughs> If so, her Wi-Fi is unbelievably slow, just like most of her thoughts. But anyway, <laughs> well, no, like when I was like growing up, I always wanted it to be like the ability to like talk to people telepathically, but like not even in a way of like just invading someone's thoughts. Like Alex, I want to be at work and then just randomly like you start feeling like this vibration in the middle of your skull. And it's like, oh, Brad's calling. Hey, when do you want to do the cast? <laughs> it's just we're just thinking. It's just thoughts. Like I've. Isn't this what, like, Elon Musk is trying to do? Yes. Let's do it. Give me the cancer chip. I'll, t- I'll take it. <laughs> no, thanks. I'll, uh, I'll leave it for now. Dude, I'm going to be like Squidward on- in SpongeBob, where he's like, future, future. <laughs> <laughs> is it, isn't that the, the plot of the first, uh, is it Kingsman movie, where people have, like, this chip and it can make their brain and their head explode? And it's like Elon Musk is crazy enough that one time he gets like on the Joe Rogan podcast and he's like, yo, I've got this button here. And if I press it, I can just kill a thousand people if I want to. <laughs> Ain't it cool? And I do not want Elon Musk to have that type of power over my life. Uh, that's true. What if he just like butt dials on accident and you die? <laughs> <laughs> I get butt dialed so often because my name starts with an A. But my, especially my dad, it's like, Dad, you have a touchscreen phone. How do you butt dial me? It's the grease. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to know. Let's start talking about magic. <laughs> I mean, we've, we weren't there last week for like the, uh, the first wave of like spiciness. But mm-hmm. I mean, the first week looked cool. And we saw a lot of inno- already a lot of decks pop up. But the second week, good Lord. We've had, um, so I went over, uh, before we could start talking about this, I went over just the challenges, the champs, and an event called the Magic Online Society. And I tried, and I might have missed some, I tried to find like at least one list of each like unique archetype, where, for example, I would consider like Rectal's Pyromancer and the actual Rectal's Midrange to be two different decks. And I ended up with 26 lists. Which is crazy. You name a deck that was good in the past year of Pioneer, except for banned ones, 
and it was probably there. Like, Brad, na- name me a deck. Um, um, just a deck um, you can think of. Winota. There. Insul. There. Rakdos Pyromancer. Obviously there. Traditional Sultai midrange. There. Actually. Um, uh, what about Spirits? There. Both varieties, actually. Azorius and Band. Okay. Uh, Jun Sack. There. Uh, what about Cat Oven Sack? I think that was a Core Vault deck. I don't know if that was the... If that had the Cat Oven in it, which it probably should, because that sounds great. No, it wasn't. Okay, no Cat Oven deck. You got me. Anyway, you get the point. There was a lot. And we've also obviously had... You know, you and I have had the ability to play for the past two weeks. Um... So, like, what have you been playing? What have you been encountering? Maybe playing on the server or playing on Modo or playing with friends on Modo, whatever. So I haven't been able to play nearly as much as I would like to with the job and, like, all the extracurricular activities with uh, the server and other stuff with my job in general um, and working out. So not as much as I want to. Though the amount that I have played, I've seen a decent amount of aggro. Like, uh, I've seen a lot of Boros Burn, I've seen some Winota, and I've also seen, um, what's it called? Uh, straight up Mono Red. So, oh, and Mono Black, of course. That's in my experience, but that makes sense because, you know, it's a new meta. People, a lot of times, feel comfortable playing aggressive decks in the new meta. Uh, but I would like to mention uh, someone else's experience on my behalf, which I told you already about before the cast, uh, our good friend Adrian of the show, I convinced him that it would be a good idea to get into Pioneer again because he could play Pummeler. And I was like, you could definitely cheese someone out and get a few wins. You could maybe even 5 the league if you run the table and you do fine to get your matchups. He texts me at like 11 at night and no context. Fuck you, Brad. And I was like, what, <laughs> what happened? And he's like, I played a stupid league on Moto and I played three Rakdos Pyramister decks back to back to back and I went 0-3 drop because of playing that deck over and over again, which against Pummeler is a horrible matchup. So after that, after saying he's never playing Pioneer again, he's done with the stupid, the stupid format, he's like, you know what? I have an idea. I'm going to play Selesnia Auras, like a Boggle style, and Rakdos can't do anything about it. Doesn't see Rakdos at all. Instead, he sees in the next league, out of five games, three decks running Shadow's Verdict, which dumpsters his deck. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, that was his experience. Alex, did you have any pleasurable experiences playing Pioneer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the people who've been uh, been following me on Twitter have definitely heard about King Harold's conquest of the format, because I don't think I don't think I've lost them. I'm yet to. I think I'm yet to lose a match with elves in like casual games and multiple uh, small events on the server. Obviously, that doesn't mean that the deck is immediately ridiculous, but it's really good. Uh, I really enjoy it. There's still some room for experimentation, especially I'm running the version with Pyro of Heroes, which is just like, I could see why people want Birthing Pod Unbanned, not because it's balanced, but because it is really fun. Um, and this is like me tutoring up. Like, I mean, there, there's some cool interactions with like, um, like you can Pyro of Heroes a scavenging ooze and find a realm walker because it's technically an ooze too because it's a changeling so there's like there's like some fun interactions there but yeah overall very successful with that deck i played rally the ancestors again the zombie rally the ancestors that worked out quite well Mm -hmm. i've been playing grixis control again also worked did you try the uh, new uh foretell card 
that would probably be a good idea i'll be honest i i wanted to find a pioneer game uh, on the server no one was responding for a bit and then it just dawned on me like i believe i just have that full rally deck somewhere so i just grabbed the deck i hadn't touched it since like Zendikar or something no actually i don't think i touched it since like the inverter time almost and i was like you know what i'll just try this all right so the sideboard like made no sense uh, I was still running like main deck fragmentized because that had the upside of also being good against wilderness reclamation, you know, like th- that sort of crap. But it still worked out fine. And uh, I will say I got unbelievably lucky in that matchup because I played against mono green and I drew. Uh, actually, I played against mono green stompy and I drew like every draining zombie. I just went like wayward servant, wayward servant, wayward servant, and then just dropped a bunch of zombies. But anyway, like that deck worked out. Grixis has worked out, and I've been playing against a lot of different decks too. Especially one in particular, which we will uh, go into later. But I feel like we should just start talking about all the, all the decks that have been showing up in the league. We're not going to be able to cover all of them. As I said, there was 26. But we're going to start off with... We're going to start off with a, uh, the, the best of the best. This is going to be the dominant deck in all of Pioneer. Easy tier zero. Nothing will ever compete with it. <laughs> I was about to say... It slivers. <laughs> yeah, so this is a funny one to mention <laughs> just for, you know... For the starters, someone in the um, Magic Online Society, which probably sounds way fancier than it actually is, but play because this this just makes me think of people who like show up to a place on like to play on their laptop while drinking tea and stuff, which is probably not what the Magic Online Society is. Real quick, have you ever watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Uh, no, I haven't actually. There's a scene where like uh, the guy uh, Frank, who's played by Danny DeVito was like, hey, I'm going to get all of you guys into this orgy I go to all the time. And they're like, oh, that sounds it's like a high class thing. That sounds great. And they get there and they're all wearing like masquerade masks and like bathrobes. And it's all like really middle aged, like gross looking people. And they get to the door and they open like the door and like, what's the password? And he's like, orgy. And he's like, you may come in. So that's, that's what <laughs> I imagine. When I read the Magic Online Society, is like it tries to be high class and it hypes it up, but it's really just a a very gross old people orgy. That's just not even an orgy; it's just a buffet. They just had food. They're just talking and eating food in there, all in masquerade masks and bathrobes. So those people will never listen to the podcast again if they did. Um, <laughs> but I mean, someone someone brought slivers, which is just like. Sometimes you forget slivers exist. These are all the slivers that look like they're from Alien vs. Predator rather than looking like actual slivers. Even running one Hive Lord. I send this to a friend of mine and it's like, hey, you can finally start playing Pioneer again. Uh, this looks like, I mean, if you just... Oh, this is just a pile, right? It's hilarious, but this is just a pile. Oh, and Coco. And I, my favorite thing about slivers is that it's just like, they're all lords. Oh, Realm Walker. There's Realm Walker in here. <laughs> yeah, of course there's Realm Walker in there. That card's great. I love that card. But talk about the serious deck that surprised everyone. I mean, Slivers obviously did, but we've been seeing a lot of people playing some forms, uh, some varying forms of... Let me make sure I pronounce the name correctly. It is Enigmatic Incarnation. And we have seen either a Sultai version or a 4-slash-5 color um, Fires version. Now, Brad, for the uninformed... What does Enigmatic Incarnation do? I didn't have it up. Brad is very prepared and totally not looking this up. <laughs> so this is an enchantment from uh, Theros Beyond Death. I remember this enchantment and I remember it getting a little bit of hype when we first saw it because like you mentioned before, people love Birthing Pod, right? Yeah. And they want it unbanned. So everyone's like, 
oh my god is this the new birthing pod no it, it's not but it's fun it's a four-man enchantment uh two and simic and at the beginning of your end step you may sacrifice another enchantment if you do search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice enchantments converted mana cost put that card onto the battlefield then shuffle your library this is a fun card this is a very very fun card i wonder if oh does it does the list place uh, search for greatness at all? I feel like that'd be an interesting one in there. Uh, no, it doesn't actually. Hmm. That would probably be a fun one to run. Maybe it's too many moving pieces at that point. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's probably just too much. Uh, but like, this deck's obviously a very spicy one. It's it's a very strange list to look at because it's a ridiculous pile of one-offs, as you would expect with your average toolbox deck. Now... I'm unsure what makes this deck like particularly great, except for people totally aren't prepared. That seems to to me what it mainly is, right? Someone slaps down an enigmatic incarnation, and you're like, oops. <laughs> because I, I I don't see well, obviously you can go like turn four fires, play your incarnation, immediately sack your fires and find a five drop, which is kind of cool. Uh there's quite some good ones there. I mean Yarok, got Yarok, Tolsamir, Scarab God, Kenrith, uh Cavalier of Dawn in uh in this list for example it obviously allows you for some great sideboard one-offs it's a yorion deck so it's also an 80 card deck and that's kind of where like for me the problem with this deck lies it's like this deck just seems like a fairly inconsistent pile where you can pretty easily throw a wrench in its plans because it feels like it's the deck it's the, it's the kind of deck that wants like the right card at the right time you just i mean i looked at this deck if you play a Graph Digger's Cage on turn one, they're toast. Like, half the deck doesn't really work. I mean, there's there's one deputy... And here's always the problem with these Tudor decks, right? There's one Deputy of Detention they could draw, or one Cavalier of Dawn they could draw, which you can stop... Oh, and there's three Skyclave Apparition, because that's... Of course there is. That's the only card that shows up as more than one copy. So, like, there are ways to deal with it. Maybe this deck is more resilient than it seems to me. But this deck feels just a little bit like a pile. But it is a fun pile. I have a question. Why is Path to the World Tree in this deck? I mean, you just want to make your land drops. It's just another two-drop filler. You just want to be able to make your land drops. You're just going to sack it to your incarnation anyway. I mean, I guess so, but like, wouldn't you just want... I mean, I guess not Miletus. I don't know. I'm a little surprised there's three Omen of the Sea and four Path. Kind of like, wouldn't you... When you want Omen of the Sea first, but obviously this is like really looking into like very specific numbers. I mean, I find Chain to the Rocks also to be like hilarious removal in a deck that's looking to immediately sacrifice its enchantments. Also, there's no two-drop creature to find. So with <laughs> when you sacrifice your Chain to the Rocks, so I'm not sure why Chain to the Rocks is in here as removal. Because uh, they looked at the regular fires list and they're like, okay, copy, paste, delete some, add some. That's all they did. <laughs> And they just, they're like, Chain the Rocks is good. And they, they You it. might actually be right about that. I would not be surprised if you're right about that. Chain to the Rocks seems like very questionable <laughs> removal in this. Deck. I mean, look at the enchantment list. The majority of that, I mean, look, okay. Chain of the Rocks, Omen of the Sea, Trial of Ambition, Othakaya, and then Fires seem like something that you would like make sense. It's like they combined the Esper Control side of like the enchantment uh, type of Esper control with fires are like you know what yeah yeah we're doing this and he's called it a day very heavy on white it looks like base white base white green and then just splashing the other colors barely when I mean, obviously a lot of the splashing doesn't even really matter 
Not with fires. Because no. you're going to be you're going to be able to tutor them up. Oh, you've got fires, and you're going to be able to tutor them up with enigmatic inquiry. I guess that's kind of what makes a deck work. At the end of the day, it's still a fires deck, and you know, if you just play a lot of random crap at a discount, it's probably still good. Surprise! There's no uh, Ravens warning to tutor out your what seemingly looks like a uh, wishboard. <laughs> yes, I mean, I'm just this this deck. It's it's really spicy. Um, they went five and two in the challenge. It's just a deck that could catch. I was played like a fair amount. I mean, to there was also the Sultai version, which strikes me as being a little bit more consistent because it felt a, it plays more two ofs, more three ofs. It's definitely a deck that can also just play to the board. You're seeing cards like Thoughtseize and Fatal Push, um, Wolf Willowhaven, which is one I'm a little bit surprised not to see in the other version. Um, Actually, one whip of Erebos, but let's not talk about random one-offs. But like, this seems to me like it—it it reminds me of when we saw um, Valky and Asika spoiled, and we talked about shouldn't there just be some sort of like Sultai Niftalite deck, uh, not Niftalite, but like some Sultai Bring to Light deck that like really just uses uh, Bring to Light as like a value engine with cards like Valky and that sort of thing. Valky, Asika, they don't really care about the fact that you cast it for five. This feels like a deck that functions in a similar vein. Uh, what I also really like about the Sultai version here is that most of the creatures are enchantment creatures too. Yeah, well, that's, that's cute. So you're an, you've got your animatic incarnation, and even if you just have that and one enchantment, because it is actually low on enchantments that aren't creatures, but once you find an enchantment creature, you just sack that and find the next one, and you could sort of like climb up every, um, every end step eventually topping out at either a Carnage Tyrant or a Dragonlord Silumgar, mm -hmm. which are both really good cards situationally. We were talking, I don't mean to like jump around, but like we were talking off cast and you were like, where's the Esper control? Where's the blue-white control? And uh, in the challenges, blue-white control is pretty much gone, uh, which it makes sense. Early in format, you don't want to play control. Seems kind of rough. Yeah. Uh, we saw an Esper control go like four and three and do okay, running like Doomscar and like the, the typical enchantment thing. Uh, if you look at the league dump, from the first being yesterday, because we were recording on March 2nd, there is a 5-0 blue-white control list, and it's running three midnight clock. What? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, this this is the point I always have with with leagues. It's like, I don't know if this is just a person who really likes midnight clock. Or if they've like, like, this was their time to shine. Or do they like crack the code, and it's like actually a good card. But like I'm looking at it. I mean, Midnight Cloak is a is a, is a is a good card. It adds mana, but you do need to be able to. It's, it's just for you. Yeah, you explain what the card does. So it's two and a blue, three mana artifact. You can tap, add blue. You can pay two and a blue. Put an hour counter on Midnight Clock. At the beginning of each upkeep, put an hour counter on it. When the twelfth hour counter is put on Midnight Clock, shuffle your hand and graveyard into your library and then draw seven and you exile it so it's just like a uh it's a time twister for yourself a, um, what's, yeah i'm trying to think of like uh oh it's like it's like suspend yeah it's sort of like a, a suspended time twister and in the meantime i don't think yeah you didn't excel mind uh, midnight clock but in the meantime it's a mana rock and the rest of it is kind of just a regular blue eyed control deck except it runs uh Alrun's epiphany as another way to win the game, which I guess if you time that right with your midnight clock is kind of cute. I think Alrun's Epiphany is pretty cool. Um, like, 
it's it's how an extra turn spell should be not like nexus of fate that just continually brings it back to your library and like you get into this weird loop with it towards the end of the game which is just a nightmare i mean it gives you a board present so it doesn't have like the explore meme yeah where you play it for a full retail when you have like nothing on board it's like nice explore dude but would you rather play all runs epiphany or the part the water veil I don't know, I wouldn't play either in a control deck. I find extra turn spells in control decks to be weird. But if you, if you pick one, I mean, I like the idea. I mean, you're already drawing seven, but I like the idea of Aaron's Epiphany being a foretell card that you can foretell it, let the midnight clock thing happen, and you know there is a there is a, an extra turn spell waiting for you. Just like having Solid coming or Behold the Multiforce. It's like, even if you get, you, you draw into like a poor seven, you're always good because you know there's like that's why I'm surprised to see like no doom scar in this deck at all. Mm-hmm. I mean that's how I was building mine, right? Yeah, like make sure you've always got your sweeper once your midnight clock triggers. But I don't want to touch on yeah on league results too much because I always, I mean I always go on about how inconsistent, like unreliable they are. And we've got enough to talk about leagues why, um, not leagues, uh, challenge wise. Now the um. Who won the challenge is, you know, kind of up there. Uh, I want to see a lot about the metagame trends that we saw in the challenges, because, again, I, I noticed 26 different decks, but we do see a lot at the top that we have seen before. Um, decks that we see do well are Vampires, Niftalite, Mono Black Aggro. Um, the Incarnation deck actually put up pretty good result. However, I think it's also thrown into the same pile of fires for the sake of goldfish. Um, and it is technically a fire stack. Uh, Rectos Pyro again, Burn. So a, a lot of the old stuff we've seen is still like the stuff that's generally performing a little bit above the rest, right? We're putting up 26 different decks, but a lot of these are like one-offs, two-offs showing up, right? Like Gruul Obosh. I don't expect Gruul Obosh to be a player in the metagame at any point in the future but it did show up here um but i think it proves to me that there's at least at this point there's a lot of stuff that works but as we touched on with your leak result just i feel like that in large part is due to a sheer lack of control like old school control there's no uh police of the format yet but i think that that makes sense because there hasn't really been a defined meta yet we're, we're seeing so many different lists. I mean, yeah, if you want to like, if you want to craft your control deck based on seeing 26 different things shows up in a challenge, like good luck. Uh, especially when you consider like a few of those things and how like varying they are in play style and like what you need to go against. Because like Jun Sack is back, like Jun Citadel. That is one of the most played decks right now. And like the way you approach that matchup as a control player is is actually different from like you know your obviously your mid-range decks uh Rakdos pyromancer of course um and then like just your plain normal aggro it's a different it's a different approach so you'll just get dumpstered by the other decks if you lean too heavily into one of those um so and then like i said nia winota's back uh spirit's still around like i do not envy you or any other control player right now i would not want to play control that sounds like a horrible thing Obviously on a small scale, and I, th- I think this was a this is an important like well a nice thing to jump onto. Um, when I played it in our event yesterday, I played against um, Jund Agro, which felt a bit like that Gruul Obosh style deck, a Blue White Control, and Niftalite. 
And Niftalite felt very different now. Now, Niftalite's still performing well. And I was speaking to the guy who was piloting it, uh, Morrison from Top Mad on the server. And he felt like it's like really good against aggro, which is kind of funny being a, a five-color deck, which you would say plays a lot of tap lands and that sort of thing. But Sylvan Caryatid, we talked about before, is a good card against plenty of aggro matchups. And most five-color NIF decks have kind of just morphed into like black-based control. But not like the traditional counterspell control, but it runs just Fatal Push in the main, uh, Abrupt Decay, Assassin's Trophy, Binding of the Old Gods. It almost feels like a Golgari deck, so at what point are you still playing a NIF deck? Because you're going to flip like five Golgari cards and you can only pick one. But in that way, it really, it really changed into being a really just an anti-creature deck, which given the current meta, I mean, we're talking about like 26 decks or whatever showing up, but it does involve a lot of creature decks. So if you're, an, if you're set up to be a good anti-creature deck, you're probably doing well in the current metagame, kind of regardless. And in that way, we see Niftalite show up. But I played the matchup, obviously, from the other perspective, playing Control, and the matchup felt, like, pretty easy. Because the, with Teferro and Uro being gone, like, it felt really straightforward, like, how I go about it, right? Now that I can bring in cards like Disdainful Stroke, which is phenomenal against this deck, the, the matchup felt, like, honestly just easy. This is why I still feel like, like I get it. It's, yeah, we're seeing it's, uh, like, so many different, like, ideas behind Niv right now. I still stand by that, like, when it's all said and done, Niv is a, like, tier two deck. It's not in the top five or maybe even the top 10 conversation of like decks played uh though at this point in time looking at pioneer we might be heading down a street where it's like there really is no top 10 because the top 20 decks are all really good like because that that that's seemingly looking how diverse this meta could be that might be a little bit more optimistic but i mean it's shaping out that way and i mean i guess i might as well ask you before we um look at all the other decks and i mean you can mention one if we haven't mentioned already do you have a top contender so far like do you feel like they're uh, based on what you're seeing with like results and like the way it's shaping out and of course it's hard to really say this with any kind of certainty or even legitimacy behind it because we don't have an actual policeman control deck like you were saying but do you have an early favorite for what you think the top deck will be or one of the top decks well i mean i'm I'm still holding out for, a, I would say, Pyromancer, if I had to. Now, the meta is super diverse, obviously, but I like it as a proactive deck um, with better... Uh, like, a proactive deck with Thoughtseize and Hand Disruption in general is always powerful. Uh, but I feel like... Um, I like it a bit more than Mono Black, because I feel like the deck is a little bit more resilient uh, than Mono Black would be, which gives it edges in other matchups. Uh, again, just the the idea of a of a Thoughtseize deck that is proactive is still just like very appealing to me. Uh, going into a blind format, uh, obviously also having access to something like Fatal Push, uh, Croxa, which is obviously a card that is much less accounted for now because people don't care as much about about it anymore. Because well, first of all, it's not played that much because Rakdos is just one of many decks, and it's really pretty much the only Croxa deck right now. And Uro's gone, obviously. So 
Croxer kind of just like runs free in some of these matchups. So I, I would say my bet is Pyromancer, but it's really like a wild west at this point. I think it's funny that um, Pyromancer kind of was one of the biggest winners of the ban announcement because obviously Earl being gone, Reclamation being gone, but like I think Oops All Spells being gone really takes eyes off of that type of archetype that really interacts with your own graveyard where it can run free like it is. And I think that's a huge thing for the deck. And uh, I'm actually excited to like play it some more. Um, I was just thinking about like all like like the 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 decks that I have and what I could play. I'm like maybe I want to resleeve my Pyromancer deck. That kind of sounds a little fun. Um, I think I might agree with you though. Um, I yeah, Rakdos feels really strong, and it's always felt good, right? It's also nice that its main the main card you would run into currently. I would say that would hate on part of your plan. Still not the whole plan, which is a great thing. But part of your plan is Craftdigger's Cage. But you're also a Coligan's Command deck. And that means you actually have access to main deck uh, artifact removal. And as we talked about like a decade ago now, but I felt like a big advantage that Grixis had as a control color is that it had access to main deck artifact removal if you're running cards like Coligan's Command, the Devil, that sort of thing. Which hasn't been particularly relevant uh, at this point in time. But in this case, it comes up. If we're looking at playing a matchup like John Citadel, like you're going to be very happy to be able to get rid of, well, the Citadel, obviously. Um, being a removal-heavy deck in that matchup also really helps. So I would say it also has the edge there. Though I do think the other deck I was thinking of being very good is John Citadel, too. Again, it's a really good anti... Um, the more I think about it, perhaps John Citadel would be my pick. Uh, I, th I think it's very close because, again, it's really good against creatures, mm. but I do like that it has the over-the-top game plan of the actual Citadel. Also because we've seen the versions with it go back to like... Uh, I'm saying go back, but I really like how they run um, place, what I've seen running play sets of like Catagome Sifter and Ghost Rider. So the chances of you actually just popping off the turn you play a Citadel are really big because you're scrying a ton in this deck. And like once the Woestrider is down, it's really hard to like brick. Well, I mean, let me just, and this is also for the viewers too, or the listeners. I'm going to give you a very quick rapid fire of like decks that have popped up just to give you a sheer, like just a scope of how vast this format is right now and how hard it is for us to actually have this question answered. So look at the last 14 days. This is a mixture of the Goldfish meta page. And I'm also going to be using a little bit of another page as well to like for decks that aren't prevalent enough to be their own archetype or whatever. So Rakdos Pyromancer, Niv to Light, Boros Burn, Mono Black Aggro, Mono Green Midrange, which is just Mono Green Walkers. Why are they calling it Midrange now? Why? Why? It's not, it's, that's not a Karn list. It's a Vortex <laughs> list. <laughs> okay cool i love how your reaction is just a laugh <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah okay you get vorinclax down and then next turn you play nissa immediately oh that's cool <laughs> that's fun yeah uh jun citadel orzov auras demir control uh mid rakdos midrange which is like the only control deck with some consistency is in demir colors yeah um and there's rakdos midrange which is just like uh thicker Rakdos Pyromancer, just it doesn't have our like Arcanist and things like that. It's just like we're gonna run Hazaret, we're gonna run uh, uh, Kalidus, and uh, and bigger, thicker removal spells. Uh, vampires, both the Mono Black and the Splashing White version. Naya Winota, 
not Naya mid-range. Thank you, Goldfish, for updating that. There's the Demir slash sometimes Grixis Valky release to the wind deck, which I actually want to discuss with you a little bit later. Um, I think it's awesome. There's the cluster of fires. Um, so many fires list, both the Igmatic, uh, uh, whatever enchantment deck we were talking about earlier, and the traditional fires list, which I think has actually gotten better. Um, but whatever. Uh, spirits. Is it dragons? Obosh Gruel? Esper Control? Uh, blue black, blue black, uh, white black humans. Jun Delirium called it, even though it's really far down the list. <laughs> <laughs> called it. One showed up in a challenge. I did it. Hey, I'm a trendsetter. Uh, is it Phoenix showed up? Uh, Lotus combo. Four color Omnath is still a thing. Oh yeah, didn't didn't you see the the notes I made before the cast? And I think I think like almost every deck was just the deck of the name. Mm-hmm. And then I said, actually, Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> in front of that one. Uh, then there's like a weird delirium, like low to the ground Lurus list. Uh, and then there's a traditional gruel, mono red aggro, blue white control, another mono red aggro. And then what is this? This is Abzan? It's it lied. It's a liar. It's 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 gruel. Oh, this is this is elves. Oh, yeah. Elves. Cool. And that's just from the Goldfish page. If we go off of the thing that Alex was pulling up and finding actual individual lists, we have the Incarnation list. We have Jun Sack with Corvold. We have more Niv. We have different variations of spirits, both Banth and Azorius. Sultan Midrange, Blueback Control, Blueback Valkyrie Control, Monogreen Walkers, Four Color Omnath, Vampires, Lotus, Featherless Feather. Oh my god, Featherless Feather's still a thing. And then Ensel Artifact is still a thing for some reason. Cool. Where's where's uh, where's my Jess guy? Where's my white? There's a lot. So there is a lot. And that's why it, I mean, I love it, right? Even though I generally play control, I love it. Uh, I'm very happy that at this point I could points. I mean, if people ask like, what should I, what should I play? My answer is, you know, whatever you want. If they say, what should I buy? Like buy into, I say absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, unless you have like a place to get your cards back. Uh, this is the perfect opportunity opportunity for you to just proxy up and brew away. You know, hop with us on the server, play on Cockatrice, uh, have a have a rental service on Modo. Like, unless there's a deck that's just like you like, I would advise against everyone buying. If if money were no object, Alex, and you could buy whatever deck you wanted, what one deck do you want to build and have in paper? Because I know mine. I know mine for an easy call. Ooh, you know what? Phoenix. Ew. And that's not because I think Phoenix is great, but I think that deck, I've seen people play it, and it does look like hella fun to play. Like, just be like, your opponent is like trying to do things, you're just like, ha, Phoenix, go, and you just cycle through your whole deck. And you know what? If you like casually play away with some friends, and it's like, sometimes you hit four Phoenixes on turn five, sometimes you don't see one until turn eight. And it's just... Yeah. That's, I'm a, or John Citadel looks great too, but you, you own the deck, so... I do own the deck now. I mean, I'm saying that as if I could just walk over to Brad and be like, yeah, I'll borrow it off you, and it's like, I'd have to go across the ocean, but... <laughs> hey, just a quick stroll down the street. I got you. <laughs> I would 100% be getting uh, this Valky Demir control that runs Release to the Wind. Dude, it's so cool. 
this this is such a cool deck i'm sure it is miserable to play against just like cascade and modern was before the bans or the changes to um cascade in general but <laughs> i mean it, it it does the it does the useful thing of um that you can do in your deck where you're like you know what i'm gonna play a control deck but sometimes i have a valky on turn well i have a a tibalt on turn three yeah and then i just win it's so cool and that's like a uh, particular way of going around building a deck. I, I I don't know what to make of this deck. It it looks cool, right? I, f- I feel like it's super limited in its win conditions. Perhaps. I mean, I know I know you've got I know you've got Valky, and you can ultimate a Jace. There's also um. That's there's Valky. also Jace Wielder of Mysteries now in some of the builds I'm looking at. So <laughs> wait, that's just, that's just literally for if you just like just in case. I know if I got. The- <laughs> If I get to the end of my deck, I'll get to the end of my deck. <laughs> like, I would be worried about milling myself in a deck that has so few ways to win. Like, I, I've had this come up in... Um, I don't know how this happened again. Uh, but I remember, like, regularly milling over, like, my win cons when I only had, like, three. Welcome to the life of Dredgeless Dredge and Pioneer. Yeah, but... Except, you know, it's your cyborg con. They should be in the graveyard. Oh yeah, when you mill over your sideboard yeah, cards, that makes me want to kill myself. I'm just like, all right, I just need this assassin's trophy to to kill their Layla. Oh, and it's in the bin. I hated it. Which is actually that's a deck I thought maybe could have come back, but no one's tried it. I haven't seen it at all anywhere in any of the league results or challenges. I don't see why it wouldn't work at this point. Mm-hmm. Right, the uh, just going for the old uh, dredgeless dredge, um, driven to despair. Yeah. No, that's a card you're a very, very big fan of. I love that card so much. You should play it in your Elves deck. Eh, maybe. Doesn't sound like a terrible idea. Eh, it just that means I'm running fewer Elves. You run a one-of. No. Why would I run that card as a one-of? Because it's the ultimate fun of. But I can also just run one-of copies of cool Elves and tutor them up with Pyro here. It's like, I run one twin. You can also run a one-of Emrakul if you want to be really fun. You make enough mana where you actually might be able to cast it like legitimately without needing delirium. <laughs> that is going to be really hard in that deck. It's a 19 land deck. Mm-hmm. But you have so many dorks. All I need is more than half of my lands. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, no, you just need half of your lands and your dorks. Oh, run the, what's it called? The the uh, saga from Dominaria that lets all of your uh, all of your creatures tap for mana. <laughs> I could just run Tivar at that point. Hey, I have a Japanese Emrakul I can send you, Alex. You can borrow it. <laughs> Try it out on Elves. Borrow it? Shipping's going to be more expensive than just buying one. <laughs> that That's actually the sad thing, yeah. <laughs> and that and that's also like a $40 card, so that's saying a lot. <laughs> I mean, another deck we've seen show up, which people have desperately tried to make work, is a Lotus Combo. And I don't know what's going on with Lotus. I thought this deck just worked. And they just needed a meta. Yeah. But every time I see a list, they're doing something entirely different. Yeah, they can't. I've seen they can't be straight. I get it. Wolf Willowhaven, Burrell, um, Aetherflux Reservoir, Burgi, Approach of the Second Sun, Wishboard, No Wishboard. I've just like, sorry, you uh, cut out for a second, Brad. <laughs> I, I had to say it four times, and the fourth time is where I fucked it. <laughs> Burgilicious, sure. Where it was really loud, but. Like and then obviously Sylvan Scrying and some lists actually ran no Sylvan Scrying because they weren't even in green. 
So these lists have just been kind of all over the place, and I don't play this deck. I don't know what happened. Again, I thought this deck just worked. And Roberto, if you're listening to this episode, please DM me right this second and explain what the f*** happened to Lotus Combo. That is our that is our only Lotus player that we have in the entire server, and I've ever I've never met. Doesn't Tyrant play it too? Oh yeah, Tyrant does. Okay, Tyrant, I know you listen to the podcast, Roberto. I don't know if you listen. You probably don't, but on the off chance that either of you are, DM me right now, right this second, like right now. now we're recording. It's it's not it's not live. It's um we you know we cannot know, but right now, I would like to know by the end of the recording. <laughs> Just I get I get a DM from Tyrant. It's like I felt a disturbance in the force. <laughs> And then we should probably just talk about Teshar, and then we summon him, right? Oh yeah, he he loves his Kethis's Kethis deck, and I just cry because it's just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But yeah, I, I don't know. To to your point, Lotus is such a strange deck now because like there's so many different ways that you can make it work. Ultimately, the the way you win is the same in all of them. It's just how you get there. It's just all over the place. And like how does the saying go? All uh, all roads uh, lead to Rome. I suppose that really doesn't apply to Americans, does it? I mean, I know the saying, and it's a fine saying. All, uh, all roads lead to Rome, and then you guys just, like, follow the road, you just run into an ocean, and it's like, guess that doesn't apply over here. <laughs> I just, I'm just imagining myself, like, looking at a map, like, my head buried in the map, and I'm just, just walking. You just walk into the my, sea. Yeah, my, my feet get wet, and I put the map down, I'm like, <laughs> 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 I do love how you have your face buried into a map and you have to realize that you just walked into the ocean. <laughs> Don't even hear the fucking crashing of the waves and shit or like the, the Floridian people. I'm just thinking you're not very good at reading maps then. <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so staring at a map that I forgot where I am. Dude, maps are hard to use sometimes because you don't get that nice little thing saying hey you're here right now right this second you can follow this road it's like i've tried to navigate like when i was younger with my parents like with an actual map and i was like i, I had to be the person to do because my dad's like yeah i trust you you should, you should not I, i've done it too brad but we do start to feel like old people now okay because well. realize that there's now people who cannot relate to this well back in my day we had to look at the paper and <laughs> <laughs> We had to hope that we were where we were. Like, it fucking sucked. My dad should not have trusted me. And I, he was like, uh, where do I go? And I'm like, uh, we, we're supposed to be on this road. He's like, the road 15 minutes ago? It's <laughs> like, uh, 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 whoops. Oh, yeah, I, I had this. And this was, this was in the, and this was with Google Maps. I had to drive. I, I had to, like, I was at a, for school, we had to go to Brussels from um, Rotterdam. And we were waiting for the train. And we suddenly got this message. It's like, well, somewhere on the way to Brussels, a train caught fire and there'll be no trains going to Belgium for the next, uh, for the rest of the day, which is oddly specific. Uh, <laughs> and we had to realize, wait, but we need to get to, because we were going to the European Parliament. And it's like, I need to get to Brussels somehow. So we rushed back to my place, got my parents' car with no navigation or something. And we said, like, you know, well, we'll just drive there. And a friend of mine was on um, on Google Earth, well, on Google Maps, like navigating us around. Keep in mind, we all study geography at this point. And, you know, we drive and I'm always like, are we really going the right way? And I nudge him like, Ben, are we going the right way? And it's like, no, you, you should go off the highway. And it's like, when? Two kilometers ago. Ben, what the f***? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you guys. I'm sorry. 
Why did you say anything? No one was talking. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> that was that was pretty much the conversation. <laughs> oh yeah, we were we were talking about Lotus Coma with all roads going anywhere. Well, I suppose they don't all go to Brussels either because I had to go off two kilometers earlier. But um, also, I never quite got the saying because if all lo- all roads lead to Rome, that means all roads leads everywhere because you could just go to Rome and then go to wherever you wanted to go. Yeah, uh, I mean, I still got my damning spheres ready for when the reign of terror that Lotus brings us is uh, is upon us. Because I don't know, there's not really... Where, where is Paradox Engine Combo? Where is it? Busy not being good enough, Brad. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the case for most of the decks. I mean, yeah. you know, that's the quick reality check is, is that a month down the line, it's not going to look like this, right? We're... Dad. Are you saying, are you, Alex, are you really telling me right now that I, I cannot play Siege Rhino and Pioneer? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yes. But that's the face of the format. (laughs) We are a Siege Rhino format. No. And it's mostly that Opson's bad, not that Siege Rhino is particularly bad. Siege Rhino is mediocre. Ooh, Yori and Siege Rhino. Blink it. Like, like Warden of the First Tree is not a good card. That's like you're playing those type of cards. And couldn't a Yorian blink deck, like an ETB deck, Panamonicon. Hmm. You do four color. Four color. Someone gets Saffron Olive here. Yeah, we do four color. We're talking Panamonicon. And you're in Panamonicon, and then you go base Esper. No, I'm sorry, not base Esper. Base. Yeah, base Esper and splash green. Because you want like Cloud Blazer and like all the all the good ETB cards, and then you're also like, you know, Siege Rhino. Hi. Because <laughs> like, oh, you can play you can play Yarok. <gasps> you can play Yarok. In that case, I w- triple triggers. Wait, is that is that quadruple triggers? I have no idea to be honest. If you have Panamonica now and Yarok, isn't that quadruple? Doesn't it say an additional time? Oh, so then it would just be three. Okay, yeah. So triple triggers, cool. I mean, this sounds like you should just put one siege rhino in your enigmatic incarnation deck. Yes, that's probably the only place. Okay, we cracked it. That's where you play siege rhino. You just put one of them in your eighty card deck. And you never tutor it up because it's not good enough. But you could say that you five out a league with siege rhino in your deck. Could you imagine your opponent's at three life and you're like, I tutor up siege rhino? Eh? Eh? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I. I'm saying that, like, talking trash about people who want to play Siege Rhino. I play Grixis Control, and I literally just play Demir Control with a Bolas in it, and, like, one Sweeper, and sometimes a sideboard card. Like, I've won games not casting a single red spell, but shocking myself three times because I drew a Blood Crypt instead of what could have been a Swamp. So I, I cannot fault these people, right? If, if, if you're a very big, like, if you really want to play The Rock, you're like, you know what, I'm going to splash white for a Siege Rhino. You know, you do you. You're not going to up your chance to win because neither do I, but you do you, right? I'll happily play my pet card, down ticket, and kill your pet card. Do you think Liliana the Veil would be too good in Pioneer? I feel like no. I don't know. It's a very. Um, Liliana of the Veil is a very interesting card in that regard. I think the card is deceptively powerful. Yeah. I feel like it's on the cusp. Like, like imagine I like go a, a line in the sand and then like, this is modern power. This is pioneer power. I feel like it's literally on the line where it's like, you could argue. Uh, Liliana is the line. 
Yeah. Like she's just there. She's just lying on top of the line. Hmm. Right? And it's just like, we don't, we don't know, you know, and when she falls asleep, we just have to see what side she rolls onto. It, it's like, if you look at like Jund in, uh, in modern and you're like, okay, all these cards we can't have in pioneer can't have bolt can't have ren and six you, you can't have like all these kind of well maybe ren and six wouldn't be that bad because no fetches but no can't have ren and sex because uh because uh because uh on that um no and uh but then liliana cycle lands exist that's true and then liliana's there and you're like maybe or what about inquisition I'm getting way off topic, but I'm just having like random shower thoughts in the middle of this podcast. No, Inquisition. I mean, Inquisition would just be incredible in Pioneer. Like to the point where I'm not sure what's better, Inquisition or Thoughtseize. Because I mean, in Modern, it's been a meta call, especially in the Thoughtseize deck that tended to run like a 3-2 split. Yeah. Or something like that. Like, what's your split? But like that wasn't like, oh, your deck starts with four Thoughtseize, which is like, well, that type of deck if you build it in Pioneer, you build a 56-card deck because four of them are Thoughtseize. And if you bring Inquisition in, it's kind of the same thing with like, and it's going to sound weird, but like the idea what I talked about with running Shock and Wild Slash, where it's like, if you can run upwards of eight of a very, obviously very comparable effect. Now, Inquisition and Thoughtseize are a little bit more different, obviously, than Shock and Wild Slash. But it's like, if you can run upwards of eight, I cannot imagine four is always right. So you're always going to run like one or the other or a combination of the two. Mm. Uh, I feel like Inquisition. And that's for Legion's End. It's like running a 2-2 split of Llanowar Elves and Mystic. Yeah, okay, you should. True. Yeah, but why run four as opposed to eight? Yeah. <laughs> or six? Like even, even fucking Jun Citadel is running six Elves and then four Goose. I find that a little bit weird anyway. Like why? I suppose you want the life recoup is nice too when you're going off with your Citadel. Because, you know, the goose sacrifices and it, it, it makes the food. And yeah, but That's just a mayhem devil, right? That's the only card that triggers off sacking that type of permanent? It, it's purely for the sack. You want, you, want, you want the four of be the goose, just have more of them, because the sack is so good. And then the but, number is just... But when you want the mana every turn, especially when the color fixing can be relevant too. Especially because you need triple black for a citadel. Yeah, and the life gain is actually kind of legit because of killing yourself with citadel as a thing. So, like, gaining life and then just be like, I can still keep going is pretty nice. That's such a cool deck. I like playing it. Yeah, I've actually yet to play against... I've played against, like, uh, Sacrifice Shells, but I haven't actually played against this. Or at least, maybe they've just never cast a Citadel. But thinking of other decks to talk about, I mean, obviously a deck that has been fairly apps... Well, surprisingly, quote-unquote, absent is Monogreen Planeswalkers. Yeah. Which we've seen played, but the previous format staples of something like uh, Mono Black or Vampires, which have actually showed up a lot too, and are like predominantly Orzov, literally for Blood Baron, and some sideboard cards. I think it's interesting. But like those mm. staples, right? Like uh, Niftalite, Mono Black Aggro, uh, Burn, have still showed up in like larger numbers than Mono Green Planeswalkers has. And I think that's for a fairly similar reason uh, we t- we touched on this in the in the previous episode a very similar reason as to why control doesn't show up yet and it has to do with just the fact that like you want to know how to make your sideboard tick right and how to get the most out of your sideboard yeah and in a metagame that's so wild you will just get less out of a wishboard because it's hard to build that wishboard which is i think why we've seen some of those Vorinclex versions that just 
don't have a wish board. Yeah, for Vivian, but like that's not going to be a 15 card sideboard devoted to Vivian, but that's going to have like, you know, some creatures you might board in. Like, um, it's not Satessin Champion, uh, Satessin Petitioner, which is the 2 2 that gains like it's it's Nihilia's Disciple, but one less mana. Um, oh, okay. And just gains, uh, comes in and gains life equal to your devotion. Like, there's four in the sideboard. You're probably, like, board in three and at any point, like, have one to two drop with Vivian. But you, like, actually sideboard. And instead of Karn, you just run Vorinclex because the card is, like, way more straightforward than a card like um, like Karn is that is much more meta call dependent. Oh, yeah, that's, that's like a confusing. Sorry, I was double-checking the mana base of something because I was curious on it. And um, I, f- I forget why I have to, like, do everything by hand when I use MTG on Curve as a reference. Because um, if you put in any of the pathways, it thinks it's colorless mana that's tapping for. It's listed as colorless for pathways because there's no, it doesn't go off the designated, designated side and it can't say it's both like a dual color. So it just says it's neither. So when you type it in, I was like, why can't, why, why is Mayhem Devil at 26% in John Citadel of casting this? That doesn't, <laughs> uh, okay, I see. Never mind. Yeah, this is such a, I like that list. I do think Monogreen Walkers, we just came off of a meta prior to Monogreen Walkers having its resurgence. We thought it was dead, remember? Like a while back, like a few months ago, it was just, it's just gone. Yeah. You're like, so it, it'll find its way back up. Yeah. Right. I'm sure. And at that point, when it was. It's too resilient of a deck. Yeah. I think so too. And when it was gone the first time around, we were sitting there going, like, why is it gone? Like, is Mono Black Aggro that prevalent? You know, it was, but was it prevalent enough to be like, no, you can't do anything else? I guess just it's just funny how that happens. Like a deck seemingly should exist, and it's just like absent. And it could just be as simple of an answer as saying people don't want to play it because it's kind of boring. I mean, it is a very, very straightforward linear deck, right? There's not too much differentiation between like your lines of play, except for the wishboard with Karn. Yeah, I, f- I feel like um, I mean there is play to the deck but i feel like often when you you try and achieve the same thing and the game it, it's kind of in the same way like playing burn where your your simple games are very samey but the game but when you get the mileage out of being good so like if you're playing burn you can get like you can get like your 50 percent win chance by being a bad burn player but getting that up to like i don't know f- random numbers 53 54 that's actually like where you see the split between bad bur- people who think like, oh, burn is just throwing everything upstairs and people that are actually good at playing burn. And I, I feel like that's very similar to Monogreen Planeswalkers, where it's like, if it's a type of deck that you can really sink your teeth into and it's your jam, it's probably a really interesting deck. But I think if you pick it up just for it being good, I can imagine it gets boring quickly. Like where I'm not a burn player, but I can really like respect good burn players. Yeah, I I think I can too. Because I I've regularly lost a burn where they like exact sees me on a top deck, and I'm like, that wasn't you getting lucky. That was you planning ahead, mm-hmm. right? And, and setting yourself up for that success. Yeah. And at the time, they're also at like one life too, and you're like, terrifying. Oh yeah, yeah. Burns generally always is. It's it's also still a deck that I do come prepared for, mostly because most of the decks I play are somehow always bad against burn. I don't know what my rela- how it is my relationship with Burn, but all the decks I build are bad against Burn, and I never play it myself. Which I probably should at one point, just to learn how the deck 
works. That's why I buy all the decks so I can learn how to play them and then just be bad against them anyway. <laughs> I'm always too busy building weird crap like gold span dragon combo and dwarves. Then I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> My problem is that I get like, I don't build like weird janky things, but like I find decks that like have been successful, but like as like a, an outlier and I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. And I get really hyped to play it and I'm just like, Fuck it, let's buy the deck. And then like, I just, I start playing it. And I'm like, it's, it, it works. It's a functional deck, but like, oh my God, this is not good in the field. Like, you know, Paradox Engine. <laughs> I love the deck. I'm going to de-sleeve it though. Because, you know. I've actually, I mean, the shops are fine because shipping is so expensive. Like, I've still, like, sometimes been buying decks or, like, you know, uh, proxying up decks. I'm running into the big problem. I'm running out of sleeves, funnily enough. Yeah. Because, like, sometimes you split one or if you build a new deck, you don't want to, like, half reuse sleeve and half use new sleeves because it's going to be really obvious. Uh -huh. And I'm running, like, the first world problem of actually running out of sleeves. Uh, and if I now want to go into a shop with like how it works here with the curfew and stuff, I need to quote unquote book up uh, a time to go into a shop at least four hours ahead. So sometimes I was like, oh, I could go by now. It's like, oh, wait, I have to wait at least four hours and then the shop's closed. So I just always forget to. Mm -hmm. But getting sleeves shipped is like really expensive. Oh, because they're all out of the US, aren't they? No, it, I can even kind of ship from a store, but it's like a much bigger package, right? Than it would be to like ship. Um, in I don't know how it works for you guys. In the Netherlands, shipping is usually based on weight and not size. So I got, I one time got like, I ordered my three J's Friends Prodigy, and I got a, sh I got them shipped to me in legitimately something the size of a shoebox, and there were three J's in, and then just like packing materials so they don't bounce around. And I asked this person, it's like, why? And they're like, yeah, it's extra safe and it doesn't matter for the price because it's all about weight. Hmm. So if I get sh sleeve shipped, it's actually kind of, even though the store is like literally one city away, it's actually kind of expensive because it's heavy. I just don't know. Hey, I don't think it's by weight. Which is a weird system, by the way, for shipping. Like I, su I saw a, a video on how much air we ship in the Netherlands every day. And I forgot the number, but it is some ungodly number of how much air we just ship around because of this weird, like, it's based on weight system. That also sounds wasteful because you're using so much extra packaging. Yes. That's unfortunate. But I'll, I'll survive. <laughs> I can do without sleeves. There are worse problems right now than running out of sleeves. You could, you could also buy four packs of the same color katana sleeves, thinking you can just like have everything sleeves in the same color and then mix and match like your lands and stuff like that. So you have them all for the same deck. And then you realize that katana doesn't have the same, uh, what's the word, um, standards for sleeve cutting. So one pack of katana sleeves might be a millimeter shorter than another pack of katana sleeves. And I hate everything about that. Yeah, that's why I use KMC, because I do that thing where I just buy a whole bunch of the same sleeve. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, uh, except if I'd go to a tournament, I'd re-sleeve just in case, but like for like an FNM or something, I don't think it matters too much. Yeah. If you swap cards between decks, like whatever, people know me, right? Wherever I go, they know I don't cheat because if I want to maximize my chance to win, I play different decks. Um, and I, I do that because KMC is consistent. I was told this with katanas and i was about to buy like a whole bunch of them and the guy at the store actually told me like no no no, 
don't <laughs> pick another brand because yeah we don't know there... which box is bad but we know some boxes are bad yeah <laughs> like they're so good they're great sleeves they are they're they are they are my favorite sleeves by far but i don't buy them anymore i know i just buy dragon shield now um uh, because like because of that problem and if they ever fix it I'll, I'll be great be fine like kmc are now my go-to like regular sleeve which is like if i just want plain black sleeves but otherwise i use dragon shields for the art sleeves. i actually have custom dragon shield sleeves which is a service they started in europe i mean you can get them to the us for like an unbelievable price but i've got the cheesiest i've shown them to you i've got the cheesiest custom sleeves oh yeah my cards look like Yu-Gi-Oh cards now they're great because I, I just took the Yu-Gi-Oh card back and i just had that printed on a sleeve by dragon shield so now i'm playing with Yu-Gi-Oh cards which i should totally start playing for tell cards just to play them like trap cards but i, I haven't done that yet <laughs> like you activated my trap card saw it coming i just like when we had our playtesting game of uh of that when i was playing the foretell cards and you're like Doomscar, 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 Doomscar. And I'm like, yeah, Doomscar. <laughs> Almost every time. Because, <laughs> like, what else are you going to play? Like, I play the other ones, but, like, they're not as they're not as good. Behold the, the Behold the Multiverse was amazing for, like, a week in Reclamation when it was illegal. The problem I have with Behold the Multiverse is that Dig Through Time is just way too good. And a card that I haven't seen being played in control decks like at all even like the draw go style is salundi vision which i still think is a fantastic card uh and the demir shells also have not seen hagra mauling and it's also a card i'm a really big fan of but i do bore that out a lot that's why you play you play um supreme call what what's the one from our devastation supreme willing supreme willing yeah the the three mana mana leak or impulse yeah that's a good one i, I love neutralize I've gone back to some copies of that. What does allow? I, I'm yeah. I, I run one. I, I'm in like this weird situation with my counter spells that now that Void Shatter isn't like the obvious best one anymore. I don't know what to run. So I still run. I run two Void Shatter, two Neutralize, and a Disallow. And I just confuse the hell out of my opponent because they're like, "Wait, how many counter spells are in this deck?" Because you've now cast a Neutralize, a Disallow, and a Void Shatter, and it's like, do you have one of each? Do you have four of each? <laughs> I played against. Person. and i felt really alex how are you gonna feel when wizards inevitably prints a counter spell that just says uh, like counter the land that was played like it just goes straight to the bin like did you, uh play land uh actually no it says like counter target spell exile a land that was put on the battlefield this turn that's like the croxa you want to right where it does all things at, yeah, Crocs at least destroys the land like a stone rain. You're a f- you're fucking exiling their land for no reason. I mean, blue shouldn't get land destruction, Brad. It, 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 uh, land bounce. <laughs> I mean, this is how wizard flavors are like Raven, uh, Ravens. Uh, what is it, Raven Forum? And it's like, no, no, no. We don't we don't destroy things in blue. We exile them though. <laughs> I don't know. Like they they. they Ugh, I, I don't like this. I don't like this conversation. I don't like anything. No, you're you're countering people's shit. You're making them sad. I love this conversation. Okay, I, I, legitimate question. How many how many times how many times have you had someone salt out and scrub out at a tournament like face to face and just like go on a little mini rant and get so mad because you, you're countering their shit? Oh. Oh, I have a great one about this. I have a fantastic one about this. So it was early in the Pioneer format. And I was playing at a... I think it was just an FNM. 
and no, actually, I think it was a showdown on a Saturday. And I go and sit down across my opponent. They're playing like, I think they were playing Rakdos Aggro or something. It's like really early on in the format. This wasn't even with Croxack because it was way before that. And we play game one, and it goes the usual feels bad way against control. Literally every card he plays, I either counter it or destroy it, and it's ping, ping, ping. And then I play a Planeswalker and I win. And so, but my, and my opponent was like, you know, salty all the way. Like it was, he was just. It was flying everywhere. It was getting in my eyes. It was like, you know, I had flavorful fries. It was like the salt was everywhere. And he starts sideboarding. It's like, okay, sure. And um, we go to game two. And he opens on... Um, I don't know if this was Pioneer. This might have been standard because he opened on a duress. Yeah, I think this was standard. Uh, but the same the same deal happened. This was with Nicol Bolas, Dragon Gold, and standard. So, um, And he opens on turn two on a duress sees an exceptionally mediocre hand from my part. Like, it was really not a good hand. And he literally said something like, fuck this, and he scooped up and he walked away. And it was like, you went through the trouble of sideboarding, you duress me, I have a really medium hand. I think it was like a two-lander. It's like, if I miss a land drop, I might just die. And he's like, no, that's it, I'm out. (laughs) I'm not having you keep a mediocre hand. You get this win. Like, okay <laughs> and he was like really mad he just went like up to some friend i start complaining about it and i was just sitting there like you could have just scooped after game one right you are at any point allowed to concede a match his breaking point was that hand i know there's someone on this server i think there's someone i think they're on this server who has that printed on a play map which is great like just a rule text that like you can concede at any time i made a guy salt out one time and get really pissed <laughs> because i beat him running Grixis, Agro Pirates, and Ixalan Standard. Alex, do you know what, what card I was running as my tech? Direfleet Poisoner? Oh, Sovereign's Spy. Sovereign's Spy. <laughs> this was before I knew how to build decks. <laughs> and I was like, uh, this is cool. <laughs> um, I was running the three mana Hasty 2-2. Yeah, Capsulatory Storm. No, 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 no. The other one, the, the, the Is It one. Oh, the one that can't be blocked? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that one. <laughs> I was running that. I was also running Lantern Storm. I was running um, the three drop that, like, r- every time you raid, you draw a card and you lose life equal to its converted mana cost. Oh, yeah. The, the Bob. Yeah. The... Um, I was running the two drop that make you can pay two to make a, make a pirate with Menace or whatever. He also had Menace. Um, yeah, the deck was fun. Oh, my the best thing was, oh, it was the uh oh what was it? It was it was one of the flip lands, like his content and stuff, but it was one of the bad ones. Not Vance's blasting cannons. That's the worst one. But the, the Conqueror's Galleon? No, 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 no. It was the it was the is it one that flips and you can tap blue tap for blue on the land for Oh, the treasure crow, the one that turns into uh Telarian Academy. Basically, yeah. Yeah. I played that. And uh and I would also play uh I played main deck Banefire. To get like the random combo win with like because I ran treasure map and stuff too. And this was the most convoluted, no business working together. I mean, hey, you were prepared for control. You ran Banefire. Well done, buddy. I loved Banefire. That was a great card. I ran two in the main, two in the side. <laughs> I ran it because I was sick of blue white. I was like, no, your Teferi dies now. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> not not fire impulse. Uh fight with fire. 
where you could uh the kicker oh yeah that one's great and you're like uh here here's 10 damage oh that was some tech like if we're talking about anti-control tech Mm -hmm. when people were settled the wreckaging you and you were just doming them for 10 with fight with fire but it could also kill lyra speaking of settle the wreckage tech i ran admiral's order on the side for against for the control matchup so i could i could counter their settle the wreckage and it was so good um oh yeah see even even early brad early magic brad knew to came prepared for control yeah don't get salty come prepared yeah i was like dude i want to oh i made one guy scrub out um it was uh i'm fine with people being over prepared right i've yeah. had people board like 10 cards in against me and it's like yeah just just fuck you and i'm like you know what i deserve that right at least you came prepared and you beat me it's fine actually now that i think <laughs> about it my favorite story for making someone scrub out was um this is when i actually was actually like decent at building decks i was running rakdos mid-range and it was Rakdos Sacrifice midrange. So I ran Plague Crafter, um, Ravenous Chupacabra, uh, what's it called? Uh, Rekindling Phoenix, things like that. Like that was the deck. Um, and it was really, really good against Golgari Explorer and that standard. It was so good against that deck. Which was basically 70% of the format, so probably a good deck to be playing. Yeah, I actually did very well with that deck because I, 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 I would play... Basically, I was playing something else uh, and I kept going against that deck over and over in my LGS and I was like, I'm so fucking sick of this. And I was like, I really like Rekindling Phoenix. I'm going to make this work. And I started playing with this just as a, like a fun, like I don't feel like trying kind of day. And I just went 3-0 and against three different uh, of those decks, the uh, the Explore ones. And I was like, holy shit, this is really good against this deck. <laughs> uh, but then I get dumpstered by uh, Monobu Tempo. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. But yeah, I see what went wrong here. <laughs> uh, I was playing main, main deck Angrath. Five mana Angrath. Oh, I love that card. I played that too. My favorite Planeswalker, my favorite cards of all time. Um, if we, up uh, for the viewer or listeners, our playmat or the little banner we have of like the Night Out and Magic with uh, Alex and I, if Kethis did not exist, it'd be Angrath behind me on that board or that playmat. Like, I love him so much. The angry, angry cow. I still have five mana Angrath sleeved up in my maybe board. It's just like, your day will come, buddy. Yeah, I have, <laughs> I have, I have, I have three of them still and I'm like, yeah. He's great. But yeah, I would I would bring that in. That card. That card rocked in that format. And it was great against the uh, Explore deck. It was so good because you just like minus, take a thing, and you're like, that's mine. And they're all really low too. So especially when you take like a 5-7 uh, Wild Growth Walker because they've been growing it and you're like, I'll take that. Swing in with a 5-7. It dies now. Uh, and then you just keep plussing and making a discard. Dude, that's so good. And I literally played and I played this guy um twice. Uh, because I played him first and then he he made top four after I beat him the first time. And we played again in top four. And I beat him the same way both times by getting Angraft to resolve. And the first game I made it resolve and he stuck it out. I just kept taking his thing, sacking it, killing it, plusing, making discard. He's like, This is miserable. And then in the top four, I I resolved it and he's like, You got it scoop and it was game one because i was main decking it and he's like then he's like nope you you got it i'm not playing against that card and he just he left i was like okay bye-bye i'll go tell my one making someone leave the table with angrath is is that's like an achievement yeah game one angrath they're like no i'm not playing against this like it's 
Zangraf? It was very good against that deck. Um, oh, I mean, in that in that format, it was great. I also remember stealing people's Thieves of Sanity because they felt like it was good against Control. And then they pl- which it generally was, but they played Thief, and I'm like, I'll take that, hit you, trigger on you, and now it dies. Yeah, dude, and I love Thieves of Sanity. Though there was this time where I was uh, watching a game, and this was when I was still trying to learn magic and I was still trying to like get better. And it really, I even made a Reddit post because I was like, these guys called me an idiot. And I was like, am I missing something? Because like they were really straight up assholes about it. And I was watching, it was a, it was like a Demir mid range deck versus, um, I mean, it was like Demir control, whatever, versus like burn. It was like mono red. And this guy, I was watching game two and I saw Thief of Sanity get resolved by the guy against, against mono red. And I asked him, after that game, after he lost, I was like, why didn't you take out your Thief of Sanities? He's like, take him out. I boarded them in. And I was like, it it dies to all of the red removal that he could possibly have. That doesn't seem good at all. And he, and he was like, and he wouldn't explain why he was saying it was good. He just basically kept calling me an idiot saying like, oh, you don't understand. Like that you, you, you clearly don't play enough magic, whatever. And I was like, I went on Reddit the next day. I was like, hey, this, this is what happened. This is what the guy said. Am I missing something? And everyone else is like, he's just being a dick. And like someone, someone replied, he's like, he either didn't tell you why he did it because A, he had no real justification for himself. He doesn't know why he did it. Or B, he realized that he made a really bad decision and just backpedaled on you. And I was like, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> it, it, in the moment, it really bummed me out because I was like, how am I, am I really that stupid? How am I missing something? It feels so obvious that it's bad, but like this guy is telling me that I'm fucking dumb. And his, his buddy that was next to him, like basically backseat gaming the entire time while he was playing his match. Same thing. It was like, like basically being his like tight man. They're like, yeah, man, what the f-? I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> you lost them. You lost. <laughs> I one time at half an LGS trying to, conv- well, tried to convince me that you can kill an indestructible Adonto Vanguard with Magma Spray. And I was like, guys, this is not how the game works. But it, it doesn't die. And they're like, yeah, but if it would die, it gets exiled instead. But it but it would not die. And, no, but th- this is their explanation. All right? And these guys went on like, yeah, I played a lot of GPs, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, I can sign up to a GP too if I'm bad. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's literally that's like the like street cred for playing in a GP is literally a participation trophy, right? Yeah, exactly. What they said is um, that I'm gonna say they said obviously it says if it gets exiled, if it dies, it gets exiled instead. And they told me that the oracle text, like the rules text of indestructible, is if it would die, it doesn't. And therefore, the if it would die, it gets exiled instead, like overrides that. Yeah, because, you know, instead of if it dies, it doesn't, it says if it dies, it gets exiled. And I'm like, but what happens if I shock the Adanto Vanger? Will we be stuck in an eternal loop of it does, it dies, but it doesn't, but there's two damage on it, so it should die, but it doesn't, but there's two damage on it, and they couldn't give me a straight answer. And this is playing a casual game, by the way. This wasn't even an FNM. I was literally just playing a casual game after an event. So uh, that reminds me, um, I would go to the LGS by um, uh, in Tampa called Oblivion Games with Adrian and, uh, and John all the time. And uh, <laughs> this one kid that used to work there named Lewis that we were kind of friends with, Every time we go, this one we played Yu-Gi-Oh too, and Lewis would just like walk by our table, and like just kind of say loud enough for people around to hear us, but are hear it, but not like making a scene out of it. He's like, these guys always come to the LGS just to play each other. 
like because we never played anyone else we just sat down at the table bought cards I'm like okay let's play test and we just played each other like we could have literally <laughs> i could have drove to adrian's house sat at his dining room table five minutes away and done the same exact shit we're like no we want the atmosphere <laughs> One time we had a summer and it was so hot and I went to play magic with some friends at the LGS because it was cooler there. Huh? <laughs> it's like your cooling works. It was like a really like to like high ceilings, you know, it's much better if it's really hot. So it was actually like it was almost cold there. And I was like, you know, guys, it's got it. and we were just playing like I think we're playing at someone's house. It's like and it was like unbelievably hot. You know, like, you know where it's cool? The LGS. <laughs> we just went to play there. I still have when that LGS closed. I still have the. Uh, I got all the nickel bowl. You know when we went to the LGS and they got these sort of like promotional things. Like they had with Amonkhet, they had sort of like the the obelisk you can put up with like the cardboard cutout. Yeah. And I still have to put them on the wall, but I do. I do have them. I have both nickel bolus wall scrolls, mm-hmm. but I uh, one belonged to the LGS. And when they closed, and like I I messaged him, and I was like, hey, you know, you've got the cut the cardboard cutout of Bolas in the wall scroll, and it's like, and and he just said like, hey, you can buy all this stuff, blah blah blah. And I asked for that, and he literally told me like, the moment I decided like closing and what stuff I was selling, I didn't even put this on the list because like, I knew you would want it. So it's like he didn't even put it up for sale. It's like I'm not no highest bidder, Alex. <laughs> I still have to put them up because I have the like the wall scrolls from Ultra Pro are really cool, but it took forever for them to come out over here. I don't know if you had this if it was the same over there. It's like, oh yeah, I can pre-order this, and then I got it like a year later. I think Nicobolus Dragon God had rotated out of standard before I got the banner with Nicobolus Dragon God on it. It's like the jumpstart shipping. <laughs> it's like you it was that meme where it's like you know oh we really want to get like a second printing of jumpstart and we were just like you guys have jumpstart <laughs> that yeah you guys got f-ed by that um yeah i've always wanted the uh you know like the the table sized play mats that wizards would come out with oh yeah those are great i i want the almond at one so bad i've tried buying it so many times and no one has it anymore and like you could buy it for like 80 bucks or whatever at an LGS. But if I go on like, you know, eBay, someone's trying to sell it for like 200 and I'm like, go f yourself. I get how that's, that's how it works, but shut up. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> um, otherwise, uh, I want to like make my own foil sheet. Like I want to buy a, f- want a foil of every card in Amonkhet and Our Devastation and frame it up. I just haven't brought like gotten around to actually start doing it yet. I just got you're just gonna do like a do it yourself foil sheet. Yeah, because they don't, they, they only did foil sheets starting with like what, uh, guilds? when the first one would happen i think so so like they're they're oh and then you got the best product i think the best product they ever made was with eldraine where you got part of an uncut sheet yeah do you remember that i thought yeah i I thought that was like a like a we fucked up thing you had like this like special sorry did you get a special product you got no it was that was one too but then there was also the Mm -hmm. like a sort of like special eldraine box you got like like a garrick avatar on uh on arena it got like some collector's boosters and like a promo pack or something. And part of it was, or it might, it might have been part of like these sort of like, what were they? But like the really special arts of like some of the planeswalkers. Oh, the mythic edition things? Yeah, something like that. It might have been like some like a mythic edition style product. And you got part of an uncut sheet. But obviously, how can you get part of an uncut sheet? That means that by definition it's cut it was cut at some point yeah, yeah. <laughs> otherwise it can't be uncut. you can't cut off a part and then say like this is uncut 
only maybe you could argue that it's uncut if they never printed the entire the, the whole thing in its entirety in the first place. They just printed fragments of it. Why though? It's it to to, to make sure it's actually uncut. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're just trying to do PR for Wizard here. You're welcome. Hire me. If I can if I can get Alex to put the pitchfork down and just be like, mm, I'll allow it. Then you know I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing okay. Uh, are there any other decks you want to talk about before I guess we look at any mailbag if we have any? It's a, yeah, it's just, I mean, the main takeaway was just that. It's a wide open. And at this point, pretty much anything goes, right? I mean, uh, a noteworthy thing that I noticed that pretty much every Vampire's deck is Orzhov. It's already noticed, which for Blood Baron, which I do find curious because I feel like that card is predominantly good against Burn and Mono Black. Mm-hmm. Which I guess where there is enough of it, I guess it's good in the mirror. Yeah, because it's got pro black. So, uh, yeah. Aside from that, it's just there's just there's just a lot to play, and I would encourage anyone to just try anything at this point. We we talked about this last time, where we said like when the format was new, and this is why I almost feel like we're in a better spot than when the format is new. Except back then, it felt better because of the novelty. But we ha- we are still at kind of a point where you can just play anything and. It doesn't have the ring where you, at the start of the format, where Sam Black, I think it was Sam Black, right? Who had this fam- famous tweet where it was like... Yeah, if it's not, it's not ban-worthy, restart. Yeah, just build something, and if you feel like this deck isn't ban-worthy, you should be playing something else. Yeah. That's not really the case now. No. Like, I'm sure you could find something where you think, like, eventually you think, like, oh, maybe it's ban-worthy, but, like, probably not, right, at this point. And that means you can actually just brew whatever you get until it works. And... A lot of things work. It's the first two weeks, right? So I kind of expect to see like a resurgence of old decks of Pioneer's past and all that, which is kind of funny to say of a format that's only a year and a half old now. Um, but once we're past this point, everyone's like back to trying out the old shit. Brew something, which we've seen a bit with the, like the, the Is It Dragons. That that I consider to be a brew, right? Um, the new Valky Demir Controlist, not super hard to figure out, but a brew nonetheless yeah so i encourage you to do more of that like try to think of something try something out find a card you like yeah i feel i feel like um there's a lot of interesting stuff to brew around and i'm still convinced that there is much more to this format than we figure out now yeah that we have figured out yet but there's there's too many cards in this format that are reasonable cards that have seen zero play yeah, where is the Death Shadow? Like, where is that card? Yeah, where is that card? Uh, the type of card where it's like, it's going to take... Or what is the deck that now works because the mana is good enough? Right, where is the five-color humans of this format too? So this is exciting. Just, you know, don't play Control. Just don't do that. Not yet. Or do. Uh, uh, no, not yet. <laughs> if you like it, don't play Control because you think... Well, I mean... You know, there's there's something to be said, uh, depending on how you build your deck, that it could work. Like, I feel like my deck's actually, like, reasonably good now. Um, you could play Goblin Dark Dwellers in your deck now, Alex. Potentially. Um, like, I actually, like, I think that actually might be, like, not the worst thing in the world. Like, a one of or two of. I don't I don't like it because it's a sorcery threat. And aside from Bolas, yeah. aside from Bolas, I don't play anything that's a sorcery. Oh, we're hardcasting a Shark Typhoon, I guess. Um, 
One thing that I have discovered, what, what well discovered, but noticed in this metagame, is that there's certain cards that are, because um, there's quite some decks that can really come down to a, you can grind them to a halt. They might not be grindy decks by default, but you can get down into like these these grind fests. And cards that have nodes are really good are predominantly like the Theros gods. I've been playing with Karanos, and there's just a lot of decks where it's just impossible to get rid of him now. Because now that Three Fairy is gone, and it's an indestructible enchantment, it's like such an unbelievably difficult uh, permanent type to deal with that it's enchantments are always historically hard to diff- to deal with. But no one's exiling them right now because there's not really a reason to. Yeah. Uh, also seen in quite some of these listing like Clothis show up. Uh, also a very nice one. Again, when games come down to alt, also the incidental graveyard hate that is also super relevant. Um, Karna, for example, not seen, but I could imagine Yeah. if you're in like a black shell, something like Erebos <laughs> is a card I can imagine being... I mean, at one point, you're probably better off playing... Um, um, how do I know? Blood, blood Fasting, which is just Erebos and an enchantment. Argos Blood Fast. Um, could, so at that point, you're probably playing that rather than Erebos. Oh, yeah. But maybe there's something Maybe there's something there, like playing uh, or that or pa- Paprika. or uh... Paprika? So you just f***ing... <laughs> <laughs> you want some f***ing deviled eggs, kids? Paprika on it? Is that the snake making one? <laughs> that's the snake making one. Okay, probably not good. You can. That's three mana. You can hit it off Coco. Um, Coco gods. <laughs> Ooh, Coco Erebos. I mean, Erebos is four mana. No, it's three. But you can hit uh, Farika and um, Thassa. Erebos is three. Erebos is four. From Galdheim? No, Erebos, the legendary god from Theros. Oh, uh, why am I saying Erebos? Uh, Egon. Egon, I'm thinking of Egon. Egon, you're thinking Egon. I mean, that's a card we've not seen too much of, which you were very high on at the start. I still think it's pretty good. I almost think it's all like almost more for the throne of death. Yeah. That's great. I talk about incidental value. I mean, hey, maybe that's going to make Upson work. I would encourage people to brew Upson. Try it. Because in my head, Upson is turn one, Warren of the first tree, turn two, Fleecemane Lion, and that's really bad. But there's probably something way better in Upson than I have in my head. I mean, Upson scales. Well, there's also still Upson yeah, scales, and Historic was actually a lot of fun, so I think you could easily port it over to Pioneer and be a bit more powerful. Um, not by much, but a little bit. That snake's really good, and I don't mean Winding Constrictor. What's the one from, uh, from Zendikar? Oh, um... Like the snake monster thing? That also uh, gives you an XX when it dies. Oh, that the three drop, the three drop one. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. I, I use it as like a one or two of Upzone Coco scales. Put some Anafenzi in there, and you can actually yeah. So yeah, just leave your siege rhinos at home. In that case, yeah, shut like stop with the f-ing siege rhinos. Like just don't don't put siege rhino in a Coco. I mean, it's a good meme, right? If you make it work, getting eight actually twelve scales effects in Winding Constrictor the conclave mentor and then scales itself is pretty cool um and then of course you run uh the uh um the snake the snake artifact snake uh oh a stone girl serpent yeah oh i told adrian to run that in his uh his uh selesnia uh aura's deck and he's like stone cold serpent and i'm like it's a it's a good card it's a good card why are you getting mad it does the fatal push i'm like well yeah. Dice the Doomblade, boys. It's back. <laughs> <laughs> this card's not good because you could Doomblade it. <laughs> uh, he he has PTSD flashbacks of like 
playing standard with Fatal Push because that's when we predominantly got back into Magic. Fatal Push wasn't that good in standard. Yeah, but he he hated it. He hated like seeing that one untapped black mana play a thing and it just dies to Fatal Push, and you're like, like he in his mind it shouldn't die to one mana is like his thinking. And I'm like, but it do it do die. So get good. I, I'm still like thinking of these decks. I am still so sad Walking Ballista is gone. I am too. Sort of Hedio. That would have been great in this format. Though, um, uh, what's it called? You, I mean, I mean, Mono Green Walkers would be even better though. Um, I suppose. What about the other one? What about the one that makes one ones when it dies based on how many counters it has? A hanger Back Walker. That scales word. Yeah, I mean, you could... I mean, they're good in Walkers, but like Walking Ballista meant you have removal in your deck without having to put actual removal in your deck. Yeah. What are they re... And now you've got like... You think there's a... What's the um, Chamber Sentry? Like the one that you could tap, the really bad Walking Ballista impression. Okay, can we get like a, a pseudo Walking Ballista reprint that's slightly powered down, but not that powered down, Wizards, please? Walking Ballista the Kango face. Yes. Yes. I agree. Uh, just call it Ballista. That'd be kind of cool. Crawling Ballista. Crawling. <laughs> Crawling Ballista. That's nice. We're going back to Kaladesh, boys. I mean... Actually, that'd be a cool one to go back to. Is that Would that be like a thing you would be opposed to if they make obvious cards like that? Oh, 100% I would be okay with that. Where they're like, we're going to make Walking Ballista, but it doesn't go face. It's like kind of lame design, but it's like we're literally just going to like... We're going to ban the card because it's overpowered or something or because Heliot's stupid and he's on the face of the packs and then we're just gonna print this and we're just gonna pretend walking ballista doesn't exist yeah i i mean okay if you do it too much then it's a problem like i don't want them to do it with cards like uro for example or oko no not like uro but it doesn't gain life <laughs> <laughs> it's uro with the fucking mustache and a fucking uh uh what's the what's the mexican hat that mirachi bands have sombrero <laughs> Literally, the old Tampa Bay Buccaneers stadium was called the Sombrero, and I fucking couldn't think of the name Sombrero. I'm I'm a fucking pleb. Um, but uh, Uro with a mustache and Sombrero, some maracas. <laughs> it's it's El Uro. It does not draw life. El Uro. Wait, f- it doesn't draw life. Son of a bitch. It doesn't draw life. But yeah, I mean to answer your question, I I would be fine with that. It'd be like an errata without actually eroding the card. Um, every now and then, if you do like this little like nudge, nudge, like we're, 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 we're fixing a past mistake here. Here you go. Here you go, buddy. Just, they scuffle my hair. Thanks. Thanks, dad. <laughs> <laughs> I would gladly take a walking blister that doesn't go face. 100%. I mean, I don't know what other cards I can think of off the top of my head that would be like a correction to a, a powerful card without it being like you can't because walking bliss is not in that realm of like mythicality of how good it is. In a sense of like it's untouchable, where like you you can't fix it. Like I don't want like a Jace the Mind Sculptor Pioneer version, right? Yeah. Um, or things like that. But Walking Ballista doesn't have that notoriety in other formats to be like the card you cannot touch, you know? Yeah. So that's where I'm having a hard time figuring out other cards. Cause how many cards are like that that are banworthy? Like you can't do that with Dig Through Time, right? For other formats, you can't do that with Treasure Cruise. Uh, you, you can't do it for like some of the newer cards have been banned and shit. Like it, you just, that's hard. I think like so. Yes, one walking post a reprint, please. Minus the face, the field of the dead, and it's legendary. Yeah, that one would fucking be so funny. 
like that one i okay wizards that one i'm actually the field the fieldest of deads <laughs> i would that would that would be the only on the nose one i would actually accept because i would applaud you so fucking hard if you had the goal to just be like the field of the dead same art and everything just like erase a zombie go to go to go to powerpoint or jesus christ photoshop god my brain is so fried uh no you guys cannot see me but i am literally a tomato right now i'm so sunburned i've spent 11 hours outside today in the florida heat even though it's march but winter doesn't exist here nor does spring it's just it gets kind of cold continuous summer and then it gets cold for a bit. Exactly. You get the cold front. And so my brain is literally fried from working all day, as well as, you know, me being physically fried. <laughs> go to go to Photoshop, just erase one of the zombies, add the feel of the dead, and like in and do it in the shitty like the 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 Magic the Gathering circle jerking subreddit. No, the SpongeBob writing for the Yeah. Oh that remember that he spends like a a decade on an essay and it's just the You you've seen the memes in Magic the Gathering Circle Jerking, right? Or Magic the Circle Jerking subreddit. It's 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 just a meme shit post subreddit for magic. And what they do is they they just take other titles of cards and they very clearly like crop it edit it out and paste it over cards like it's like a ransom or like a ransom note <laughs> kind of looking thing and they make cards oh, yeah. dude i have to send you those because some of my favorite where it's like oh god oh f- or it's like it's like it's like 99 chandras is one of them and then the, the flavor text just says holy shit and it's just jaya oh i know yeah. that one with bears oh yes yes it's yes, like yes. it's eight Eight effing bears. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or it's like 300 to fairies. Uh, yeah, I, I love those. Those are my favorite. And it's just this ransom letter type of fucking, uh, yeah. If you do not follow that subreddit, go, go do it now. Stop what you're doing. Just don't stop listening to my beautiful, beautiful voice. But Alex. By the way, I finally see someone who put an Asika on their Niftalite deck. So well done to that person. Hooray. I want to say it only took you guys a couple of weeks. We've only had call time for a couple of weeks, so it didn't take them that long. It just now that we've got the ban, it felt like call time was a decade ago because it was the previous thing. Even though there was like, was there like two weeks between call time and the ban? Yeah, something like that. Also, Strixhaven's coming up soon, right? Isn't it April? Oh, we just—it's next month, isn't it? I think oh so. Oh my god! I mean, we've we've gotten some of the previews, but dude, I, oh, yeah, we should probably. Yeah, we haven't talked about that on the cast yet. So I guess before we go, let's let's talk about the commands, the new commands from Strixhaven. <laughs> I completely forgot that we had not talked about those. A lot has happened. Let me pull those up real quick. Yeah, so um, for those of you who uh, are unaware, um, there was a little sneak peek, which you should be aware by now, but whatever. Um, there was a little sneak peek of uh, Strixhaven, and we uh, we got the command cycle again, like uh, Colgan's command, um, draw the, the slimy one. Dromokas, you've got Collingon's command, Drokas command, Cinemagar's command, Ojitai's command, and stuff. Atarka's command. Yes. Um, so we got those again, but now they're um, based on the Strixhaven colleges. They're not houses, they're colleges, which I, I think is kind of cool. Um, no, Brad, they're guilds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alex is still bitter because I'll save my critique. <laughs> Yeah, Alex is bitter because we had that. If you listened a while ago, we uh, had that theory that they might be shards, and we finally get Grixis stuff, and Alex just got shafted when they're like guilds. Ha ha. Yeah, so we've got we've we've got 
We've got the command, another command cycle, and they are in the enemy guild colors, as opposed to um, complement the finish the cycle of the commands we got in Tarkir, which were or or we could we could finish the cycle of the bicycles from Amonkhet because those were the friendlies. Yeah, so there's perhaps we get the we finish the cycling lands in this. Uh... It'd be weird, but like I'd take it. It would be weird. It'd be great. It'd be a hundred percent out of place, but it's like cool. Do it. Reprint of the fast lands. Just give us these fast lands again, the enemy ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd be so mad. I'd be so mad. Oh, okay. then, wait, wait. I'm gonna assume within a reasonable time frame that we go back to um Orwin? Phyrexia. Oh. Where we will get the appropriate fastlands. Because the problem with the fastland is that flavor-wise, they are so tied to Phyrexia that I feel like that well, Mirrodin technically. Um where they can only show up in either a core set that mentions them, like Nicobolos core set style that kind of went all over the place. Or the temples before Theros. Yeah. Or in an actual Mirrodin set. But Vorinclax as the preview makes me feel like... I mean, we cannot leave Vorinclax ignored, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, he's here, but let's just not talk about him ever again. They even made Phyrexian a creature type yeah. for Vorinclax. Uh, side note, um, you raise an interesting point. Alex, what was the white planeswalker we got from M21? Basricat. Where is he from? Amonkhet. Couldn't they technically have finished that f***ing cycle in that, in that core set instead of giving us the temples again? Yes. Totally. But that meant we would have had a cycling theme because cycling is somehow not evergreen. So that's why they couldn't do that. Oh, and then we would have had too many cycling lands in standard. That, well, and then we would have had an actual cycling theme in M21 because we don't just do a cycle. But to talk about our uh, guild charms, <clears throat> um, college commands. Yeah. We have got lore hold command, which is three red and a white. Always great when your Boros card is five mana. You're, you're starting <laughs> with the veggies first, aren't you? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I'm going left to right on this picture. Um, for an instant, choose to create a 3-2 red and white spirit. Creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, and gain indestructible and haste until end of turn. Lorehold command deals three damage to any target. Target player gains three life. And sacrifice a permanent, then draw two cards. Interesting of note is that because of how commands work, you always follow them top to bottom. And that means that you can use this as an instant speed divination. Because you can get the spirit, then sacrifice the spirit. Because creating the spirit is higher up in the order than sacrifice a permanent, draw two cards is. And because it doesn't make you target something, you do not have to pick the target while it's on the stack. You choose what you sacrifice as part of resolution and the spirit comes first aside from that what the hell is wrong with this card so okay look i know it's easy to like immediately be like oh this is the worst one and look okay, okay it is it is i have a justification for it though alex imagine this card okay ignore the three two red spirit thing for a second look at all the other ones imagine it is instead of it being an instant this is a already in itself as a card a 3-2 Red Spirit with Flash, with any of those abilities tacked onto it, then it makes sense as being at 5 mana. Does it? I think so. I, I don't think... It'd be, okay, look. A 4 mana... What, what 5 mana instant gives your creatures haste? What creatures can't attack yet, implying you've had more than 5 mana in a Boros deck? Like, this just screams like unplayable cr 
trash to me. I'm not I'm not asking you to tell me if the effects are good. I'm asking you to tell me if the effects stapled onto a three tube flying spirit with flash justifies the mana cost. No. Oh, I think it does. You, what, which one is a four? A three mana three two spirit with a lightning helix stapled onto it should not be five mana. Okay, but a okay if it was a three, this could have been four. This could have been four. It would have been way too good a three because of the uh, I think the indestructible thing. Yeah, I mean no, I mean but no, as a three drop, it would be a three two flash with a lightning helix on it, which is too good. But I feel like it could be a four. Four mana three two spirit at least. Maybe they could have made a spirit a two two. It just feels way too expensive, and I, I, I just, I especially find the haste bar to be kind of laughable. Your card has haste now. Well, why? It's probably attacking already. <laughs> That's the weird thing about it. But I will say this: this is one of those cards that teeters the line of like being stone cold unplayable versus like too good between changing the mana from four to five. It's really hard to gather or hard to figure out. I think, I think it's this has a chance of being really good at four. And it just shows how much of a difference it is between just a mana cost. Well, it's even like, what type of deck does this go in? This type of effect goes in a 19 land deck. Yeah. Like, good luck getting to five mana. I mean, yeah, you could run one. Probably wouldn't hurt you too bad. Don't know what you'd gain either, but... Uh, all right, what's the next one? The next one is Prismari Command. And it's, a, it's an is it one blue and a red, for an instant. Choose two. Again, it's a command. Prismari Command deals two damage to any target. Target player draws two cards, then discards two cards. Target player creates a treasure token or destroy target artifact. What do you think of this, Brad? This is, um, this is, is it Colligan's Command? I like it. It's, is it Colligan's Command? But Colligan's Command is a much better card. You are 100% correct. However, um, Foam or Sean, our uh, personal, uh, is it player, runs, um, what's the one from, uh, Eldraine? Humans, is it Charm? No, no, no. Oh, from Eldraine, uh, Riel. Yeah, this is amazing in that kind of deck. This is so good. Um, I mean... But that's a very specific thing. It's just, to me, it's a card where it's... And this is a problem. Funnily enough, this has the same problem to me as is it Charm has. Where it's like, all the effects are fine, but they're all over-costed. So it's like, there is not a mode on this card that's worth its mana, right? Combined. How do you feel about this card being a two mana draw two discard two? I mean, two mana draw two discard two is is a charm, which isn't good enough. Is it draw two That's discard it. two? That's the thing. However you yeah, however you combine these, it's never worth the mana because it's draw two discard two, which means it's a card disadvantage. Um, but then on to compensate, you either shock, which isn't good enough, create a treasure whatever or cast a melt which is a one mana spell like if this this could have been changed in like a lot of ways to be fine this could have said draw two discard one um could have dealt three damage you know maybe it shouldn't have created treasure token because that is like unbelievably random um which really it really makes me feel that this card used to say counter target non-creature spell and so it was like a, it was like an ionize, but then restricted in its counter, but therefore you could shoot the two damage anywhere, like something like that. And they were like, this is way too good. And then they like pulled an Archangel's Light and they had to change it like at the very last second without testing. And then they're just like, ah, I don't know, get a treasure. And that just makes it feel really crappy, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think it's, 
It's like, compare this now, that is a sorcery card. There's a card in uh, Kaldheim Seize the Spoils, which is three mana, discard a card, then draw two and create a treasure. Like, I know this is much more flexible, but that card isn't even good, right? That card is crap. And you get more out of that card than, like, you would get out of this with, like, the draw two and the treasure, which is, like, probably the thing you'd be going for frequently, or I suppose you're shocking something fairly often, but, like, who cares? You're already arguably going to be in a slow is it deck you're already going to have your scorching dragon fires your shocks your stomps um like you already have abundant effects of like tickling your opponent's creatures to death so i don't see what this adds maybe it goes super well in whatever is it archetype this spawns which you know is always a caveat when you evaluate cards early maybe they were very much designed with like specific cards accompany accompanying it in mind and then it might be great but yeah all right, let's go to the next one. It is, and I'll have you comment on it. It's Quandrix Command. Uh, one green, blue, so Simic for an instant. Choose two. Return target creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. Counter target artifact or enchantment spell. Put two 1-1 one, one counters on target creature. Or target player shuffles up to three cards from their graveyard into their library. I think it's pretty good. I think it's the best one. I had... Probably the best one. I think it's funny that the two best ones go in the same deck. Yeah, well, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Like, I know which. I know the other one you're talking about. Yeah, because like, holy shit! And I'm still going like, I want to play Jun Delirium. Then they come out with these two spoils, like then like the next like two days, and I was like, you're really really making it hard for me to keep playing Jun Delirium, and I switch to Soul Tie. What the f guys? Stop that! Uh, but this is very good. Um. I'm so glad they didn't just make it counter anything or whatever. It's it's narrow to enchantment and artifacts, so at least there's that. Um, but yeah, this can get something back from the yard. I think this this screams delirium to me. Um, especially being able to get a planeswalker back is really cool. Uh putting two counters on a creature is pretty nice in a sense of like uh just trying to push through damage. It gives me like simic flash vibes. Mm. Like I feel like the target player shuffles up the three cards from a graveyard into your library is almost flavor text. Right? When you've got literally nothing better to do, yeah, you do this. But like putting creatures uh, counters on something is I mean, that makes it kind of a mana war with flash that can hit planeswalkers. Which like I know mana war is like a, a good draft card from the past, but like we take an old like mana war. We make it hit Planeswalkers, and we give it Flash and quote-unquote haste, obviously with the requirement that you need a creature on the field. That sounds really good to me. A countering artifacts or enchantments is just powerful. Like, the, uh, the ability to bounce a creature or a Planeswalker on top of another effect is just something that's going to be relevant very often. There's very often going to be a creature on the field that either you want back in your hand, or you just want to tempo away from your opponent. There are a lot of it. Like, this is main deck Fires Hate, for example, or main deck Esper Control Hate, because uh, these are very enchantment heavy decks. It's like, I just happen to, like, yeah, yeah I'll counter your enchantment spell. Also, I'm going to get this creature back to my hand or this Planeswalker that you killed a few turns ago. Like, that seems really interesting to me. Um, it's good. Yeah, I was thinking, like, if you go for, like, Long and Simic Flash and it's like, counter this and put my Frilled Mystic back in my hand or something, like, it, in, that, in that way, it's. It's obviously much weaker, but it it gives me a little bit, little bit of the, like the Snapcaster Cryptic Command vibes, but then obviously much worse, but like in a in a similar sense. Yeah, doesn't this kind of work in the way where like you can like once this resolves on the stack, you can uh, 
you get the creature to your hand in that sense of the frilled mystic and on the stack still you can cast it to counter something else already like does that how the timing works i know there's cards that do that yeah you 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 can you can you can use this bounce your frilled mystic and then you know the quandrix has resolved and you can get priority again a time with your opponent's card on the stack okay yeah, you could do that as far as i know that, that that's funny i've not seen any simic flash though yeah, in the Pioneer Challenges and stuff. So maybe we'll be on the lookout later on. Because that because Teferi single-handedly said no to that deck. So, <laughs> uh, okay, let's go move on to the next one. We know that we know Quandrix is good. Silver Quill Command. Two and Orzhov Colors for a Sorcery? Choose two. Target creature gets plus three, plus three, and gains flying until end of turn. Return target creature card with mana value, which is how converted mana cost is going to be called from now on, or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Target player draws a card and loses a life, and target opponent sacrifices a creature. Uh, One thing I want to quickly note that I completely forgot with Prismaric Command is the draw is target player. So you could do deck fade and shenanigans where like you can have a NAR set out and target your opponent and then they end up like losing cards. You can have a Notion Thief and it becomes like a four for one. But like, that's very minor. Grixis Notion Thief win. But Silver Quill Command, uh, Brad, what do you think? Okay, so I have a deck in mind that I just thought of now that I think I did not think of this prior to when we first saw this get spoiled. Can you guess what deck I think this can go in? Esper Hero? Yeah! <laughs> You got it. I mean, get your hero back. Have your opponent sack a creature. It's like not terrible. Yeah, and and even just the other stuff of like you know you can draw yourself a card or you can give something the extra damage to push through and give it evasiveness. Like that that seems uh, seems solid. Um, it, it'd be like a one or two of in the deck. Uh, the sorcery speed is limiting, but the reanimation aspect of it is nice um and if you have another hero already on the board it you know oh okay put this way this competes with four mana soren from war is that better with four mana soren from war i think that's an interesting question i feel like it is because the tempo is better because Soren's plus is like really shit. Right? <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it's, it's really bad. It's fine. And giving your creatures lifelink on the static is like fine. But I, I feel like this does more to turn it comes down. And what, what I like more about this one as opposed to the, um, the Boros one. Now this is four mana, which is obviously better. But I feel like this more naturally fits into what an Orzov or like Esper Hero style deck would want to do. Where the Boros one is like, why would you put a five mana card Mm. in colors that would typically be aggro? And Orzov decks or like Esper decks are always kind of the dirtle value decks. And this is a dirtle value card. So like this this is just like a two for one in a lot of cases. Mm Mm-hmm which is exactly what you would want in this type of deck. Four mana card, two for one, get a key card back, you know, like, an, like a hero. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, push some damage with the Killer Planeswalker that's, like, trying to outgrind you. Um, and then there's always just draw a card, which is, like, always safe. It's never dead. Just weird how this is a sorcery. I think it might be too... Yeah, no, it's, it's too good as an instant because, like, you get the defensive aspect of, like, because then the plus three, plus three and flying thing becomes so much better at instant speed. You can block. Yeah, like that. That's really good. Um, also, like, I mean, this is this is just again like my thing where I always feel like answers can be better because threats keep getting better. 
Sorry, I feel like this is fine as an instant, but it will be ex- it will be a very powerful card as an instant. Also, um, imagine if they flipped it around to where uh, they flipped the if they put the return to a creature on the top, and then the next one was plus three plus three. Uh, that doesn't work. It doesn't. No, because the the difference is with the uh, with the Boros one is that Silvercrow Command ta- has two targets. So it targets a creature on the field and targets a creature in the graveyard, then it resolves. Lorehold Command doesn't target, therefore it's picked on resolution. Gotcha. Either way, it'd be too good as instant, I think. Oh, funny uh, funny one, actually. Uh, that is, I think I know why so many target, Brad. Or at least that makes them better. Why? Do you know that with Cryptic Command... If your opponent says, uh, like, bounce a thing, tap all creatures your opponent control, and you get rid of the target, the entire spell fizzles, and you don't actually get to tap your opponent's creatures. Ew. Because it only has one target, the target is gone, therefore the spell fizzles. But if Cryptic Command has two targets, like counter target spell and draw a card, and you, like, somehow get rid of the cards they're targeting, you still draw, because it's a separate target. It's kind of like how Expansion Explosion works. Yeah, yeah. So by making so many modes target, it means it happens less frequently that like your opponent meddling with you causes the entire spell to fizzle. Hmm. So that might be, and it obviously has some extra implications, but like Silvercrow come up, why would you have your opponent ever draw a card? Except for like they're setting up a Thassa's Oracle and now you mess them up, right? Like it, it pretty much never comes up. I feel like it's mostly for gameplay reasons. Makes sense. Why there's like so many, like almost all these effects target. Yeah. Well, we got one more. What's the last one? Witherbloom Command. I said Quandrix Command is the best one. This might actually be the best one. I just second thought. But uh, Witherbloom Command is for Golgari colors. Black and a green for sorcery. Again, choose two. Target player mills three cards. Then you return a land card from your graveyard to your hand. Kind of grapple with the pasty. Um, Destroy target non-creature, non-land permanent with mana value, two or less. Target creature gets minus three, minus one until end of turn. And target opponent loses two life, you gain two life. Yeah, this goes so well. I got to think of it, this is probably the best one. Yeah, um, this one I can actually play in Gen Delirium and not be, you know, sad about it. But having the ability to play this with Quandrix in like Assault Eye Delirium seems so good to me. Yeah, when I first read this, I was very bummed out that it wasn't an instant. And I was like, ah, it's like really docks a lot of points. And it still does, right? That it, it's, an in, it's a sorcery. Mm-hmm. But this is like weaker versions of cards we have just seen that are good, right? I mean, this is, and again, they are obviously not exactly the same. But a lot of these cards, it's just what this card does is like grapple with the past. Um, no, I think grapple with the past is more than just lands. But it's like, is Grizzly Salvage this lands or is it also creatures? It's land and creature. No, but it's... it's Or land or. It's an or. But like... Yeah. It's kind of a Grizzless Salvage E deck. There is a card that does exactly this, but I forgot. Um, then it's a slightly weaker Abrupt Decay, but it's a slightly weaker Abrupt Decay, slightly weaker Disfigure, and slightly worse Sovereign's Might. Yeah. But those are all two mana, well, except for Disfigure, but those are mostly two mana cards. So even though they're powered down, getting two two mana cards and still only paying two mana is really good. And it can technically be in two for one. Kill a small creature, blow up a small permanent. Yeah. Getting like Kodogan's Command vibes. This can be really good. It's flexible. Um, it, it definitely can progress a, a game plan for a deck. That's why I was thinking of Delirium in this kind of deck. For this kind of card, I should say. Uh, but yeah, I 
overall, I like all these commands. I like that they're back. I think, funnily enough, the green ones are the best, and the Simic one is is arguably could be the best. What a surprise! Um, <laughs> yeah. The uh, important to know, by the way, with the Golgari one for the first time, I, I compared it to Grizzly Salvage, but I first tried to go with Grapple in the past because it's important to note that if you miss and you hit no lands, but there is a land in your graveyard already, you can grab that. Yeah, that's nice. Because unlike Grizzly Salvage, it's not like from among those. So you can miss and then draw a land anyway. Yeah, because Grizzly Salvage is like, you look at the top five. But when your Stitcher supply, when you played a Stitcher supplier earlier and it milled three lands because Stitcher supplier just says, put three lands in your graveyard for me, <laughs> then you could grab a, grab a land from among those. Or you'd be playing uh, the throne side of uh, God of Death from Kaldheim. And that, there you go. There you go. Yeah, you were already starting. What's your overall verdict here, Brad? I'm just happy to have these kind of cards back. I don't care if they're particularly great or not. Uh, we have two that are, you know, good enough to possibly see like Pioneer play and stuff like that. Uh, there's actually been talk about modern play for Witherboom Command. Um, but, you know, two out of five being older format playable, the other ones being probably fine for standard. Uh, great. This is what design, sh- this is what play design should be aiming for. Some playable options out of every cycle for older formats, all of them viable and standard. Yeah, I've, I've, I feel like that's probably fair. Um, my main gripe with these, and I mean, there's like 270 cards to go in this set because it's a large set. I just really hope these houses, colleges, things get so much more interesting. This is just like Harry Potter fan fiction of the guilds. Like, there's, there's literally nothing else about them. Like, the Boros are like, oh, look, they're soldier guys, except instead of spears, there's like, there's like scrolls around them. Like, cool. Hey, hey, there's more flavor to it than that. The Boros, the, the Lorehold College, is all about knowledge and understanding history and things like that. Uh, that that's the whole thing. They're, they're like, their motto is like, never stop seeking knowledge or something. The Prismari is like about the, the elements and like understanding nature and like, you know, being like, you know, theater nerds. The Quandrix are all about math and geometry and shapes and understanding how to control that and be able to use that to your advantage. Silver Quill are the edge lords who <laughs> like to, you know, uh, you know, like do the nice little, the, the little edge in your eyebrow kind of thing and the slick back hair. And they're the ones that are. And the Witherbloom are literally the Golgari. No, they're literally the goth kids. It says they're goth in, in the, in the, in the, in the write up. <laughs> but like, okay, so maybe if you read the lore, which I will eventually do, there is more to it. But when I see like the vibe I get of these cards, these are just like yeah, I, I get what you mean. The Harry Potter nerds in the Ravnica guilds who like in their free time try and put a spin on it. Again, the lore holder just spares, but there's scrolls around them. The Prismari literally use exactly the same like purple ish. I know red and blue gets you purple, but like you know the same like vibrant colory stuff that the Izzet do. The Simic literally even have like bird people and stuff, right? Like the Simic do in mm-hmm. uh, in Ravnica. The the silver the Orzov are literally just like the edge lords, just like how the um how the Orzov are. And the Golgari one, that card could literally have been printed on Ravnica. That feels like they had art left from Ravnica, and they were like, we have no idea what to do with this, but it looks cool. And they just slapped it on here. Like to be honest, you can kind of say that about literally all of these, where sometimes they had to like tweak it a little bit. 
and just used like leftover Ravnica art to make these. And Alex, look at okay. I want you to look at all the art. Look at the look at the whoever the character is in the center of all of them, and then digitally in your mind erase all of the extra characters in your own Ravnica. <laughs> Wait, all of them. You 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 keep only the center figure of the middle because they all have a center figure that it's, it's focused on. Yeah, with with like the rest of the classmates behind them. Erase the classmates, and then imagine the rest of the art. That is Ravnica art. You actually might be right that this is leftover Ravnica art. I mean, the Quandrix one is literally like, especially like the Simic one, it's literally the Simic, but with math instead of random experimentation, which is probably a much safer way to go about your Simic shit (laughs) (laughs) to actually do the math rather than just like make monster after monster. But it just, it doesn't, and maybe it's fueled by the fact that I was really hoping for shards. But it just feels like when I look at this, like there's more to the guilds, right? Like there is more to the guilds than this difference that we're showing. And if you're saying like, well, in the lore, they're much different, which could, I mean, you know, I'll believe you in your word for that. But, you know, let that show through the actual cards because your story writing for the past couple of years has been shit. So, you know, let it's... It's a very similar thing as to what like World of Warcraft has been doing, where they don't tell the story through the game anymore. And you have to like read a book, watch a video. And it's like, I want to experience the game through the game. Thank you. So I, I hope they pull it off. I mean, again, there's 270 cards to go. Maybe the set completely blows me out of the water. Mm. Um, I hope so, right? I always hope sets are good. It's just my initial impression is just disappointment because I was really hoping for shards. And especially because flavor-wise, I feel like the shards have so much left to explore. And this would have been like a great avenue to do it. I mean, most of the shards are literally just like death, kill things, death, death. And it would be fun if there was like a different avenue to explore through these guilds, uh, through these uh, whatever they are, through these colleges, schools, houses, I keep forgetting. They're colleges. House, houses, but they're definitely not Harry Potter. But <laughs> One thing to remember is, um, based on the lore, uh, each college was founded by a dragon. Uh, and, and they hint that we'll see the dragons uh, in the set. So we're going to get like a cycle of legendary dragons of uh, these respective ones. So you're, so, you're, so you're telling me that it's actually just Ravnica Tarkir fan fiction? Yes. It's like if Ravnica and Tarkir had a baby and what came out was the death of our originality. <laughs> we can only... Wizards is really good for the environment at this point. They literally just recycle all their IP. Well, one last thing to mention about this set is there is what's going to be called the Mystical Archive. It's going to contain 63 cards across time. And essentially, there's you're guaranteed to get one copy in each draft booster and each set booster. This does not replace a rare or mythic slot or anything like that. You, It's an extra slot in the draft packs. And the three we've been shown so far are Demonic Tutor, Opt, and Swords of Plowshare, or Swords to Plowshares. Uh, there is the English version, and then there's the Japanese exclusive version, which those are all gorgeous. Uh, this is cool. This is how they should do sweet promos like this. Make them guaranteed to get it back. Yes, just normal draft and set packs. And they're in normal packs, right? I I don't I am not even 
too bothered about them being guaranteed. I'm not even the biggest fan of them, but I'm I'm fine with them. Yeah. And I like that they are just in the packs, like how masterpieces were, where it's like put the cards in the packs. Right. I'm so far not a big fan of them, but I don't I don't hate them either. And I've seen people being super excited for it. And I'm just happy to see this type of product show up in like the random booster you can buy again. Mm-hmm rather than like being a box stopper or being in like the 20 dollar yeah. 20 euro like collector's booster it's like just i just want to go if i win an fnm and i get some booster packs it's cool if i can get extra goodies in there yeah you're not going to have these like with the collector boosters like you're not going to have these cool promos be also 20 dollars themselves because they come in a 20 dollar pack so these will be affordable because they're guaranteed except the japanese one are not going to be affordable in foil I can tell you that much. That's true. But the Japanese ones are also going to be available in the US versions of the collector's packs. So if you want to buy, that's their, that's how they're selling the collector's boosters now. Is they're like, hey, we have these exclusive Japanese ones you can only get from Japanese set boosters and draft boosters. But wait, if you buy the English version of the collector boosters, you can get them there too. Um, so it's the the exclusion, the exclusive selling point of the collector's booster is that you occasionally cannot read your card. Dude, but they're so, dude, I want them. They're so good. They're better than the other ones. The Japanese ones are phenomenal. They are good, but I find it a weird selling point. Uh, you know what, Wizards? You, you convinced me I might buy a, a collector's booster pack or two. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't collect yeah, packs? The booster boxes are like a couple hundred oh, bucks, right? No. Yeah, and you get like six of them. No. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. You get like none of them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's any other news to really share. Uh, we kind of went over our thoughts of Pioneer. So I guess we'll move, and we don't have time for mailbag. So I guess we'll move to. Um, I just, I just want to have one thing. Reminders. Because the mailbag actually didn't have a question in it, or one was sort of implied, but we have answered that last week about like face cards for the format. But I just had a, a comment by Sean B that really made me laugh. What if the reason Pioneer Masters keeps getting pushed back is because they need to rebrand the packaging each time because they ban more cards? Probably right. I, I I could just imagine, like imagine you're like you're an intern, you're you're Larry the intern, right? You do you do like the art stuff, and, and you were set up with this, and you you get you wake up, you get the B and R, and you're like, I just made the damn package. You're gonna have to go back, and then you spend all this time in it, and you like you know make it sure it looks nice and polished up. You make sure the pack works on arena. Then two months later, you get another B and R. You're like, God damn it, you guys, stop inf- start informing me about this crap. <laughs> and this cycle just repeats itself four times because Theros came out. Ugh. <laughs> Poor Larry, whoever the fictional Larry, who the real life version of fictional Larry is. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> uh. Probably someone listened, like statistically speaking, it's fairly likely that someone listening to this is called Larry. In which case, Larry... This is nothing personal. I do not know who you are. Living like Larry. But I love you. All right. Even though I don't know who you are. Okay, so reminders out the door. We are the official podcast of the Playaway Discord server. So if you want to play some paper magic with Alex and myself and talk about magic or whatever, link in the description. Hop on in. We also have different in various Twitters. Alex, how do people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Disciple of Bolos. Um... Most of my tweets are just magic related. Sometimes I like tweets that aren't magic related, and I guess they show up on people's feed. They do, but whatever I uh, throw out there is 
mostly deck lists, really, or random thoughts about decks. Uh, we also have an official podcast Twitter, which is at Pio Perspective. There's my personal po- uh, my personal podcast Twitter. Yes. Hey, you let's come listen to the Bradsifer podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, at Bradsifer is my Twitter. Uh, and we also have the official Twitter of the Playaway server, which is at Come Playaway. We also have other podcasts. <gasps> we have the Pondering Popper podcast, which is hosted by Diego and Kali Kai, is the wonderful gentleman over there. Their episodes are up live now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of the different various podcast forms that you can find our cast at. You can also find Pondering Popper. So I recommend go giving it a listen, even if you don't like the format of Popper. They're great, and it's you know it's entertaining at the very least. Also, we got merch. Eighth Gaming is a wonderful affiliate of ours, and we are partnering with them to bring you cool playmats and other various things. If you have any other suggestions for what you might like as far as types of gaming product that they make, which are like dice bags, duffel bags, things like that, let me know, and we can definitely get those up there. For now, we have playmats of various different arts. The best seller for us right now is the Night Out in Magic playmat, which features myself and Alex playing a game of Magic with Nicol Bolas and Kepis, Nissa. Really big hands. Holy shit. And really big hands. Like longer than my arm. It's amazing. <laughs> just on the art. We have really big hands. <laughs> but shout out to Adrian uh, Katani uh, for uh, making that art. He did a fantastic job. Also did the art for... Um... Oh, I love it. I finally got my playmat and I love it. It's so cool. Except my dad noticed it and he said like, the coloring on the goat is weird. And he referred to Nicol Bolas and I, I had to hold myself back. Sir, he... He's an elder dragon. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, other than that, we love you. Thank you for the support through various forms, whether it's the subreddit, whether it's through the Discord server itself, uh, communicating with us through DMs or things like that. Uh, I get DMs on all the different social medias that I have, whether it's on Reddit, Twitter, or things like that. I even got a DM on Instagram the other day. So, I mean, th- it's really cool to have people like reach out about the podcast and just say like, hey, we, we love what you're doing. And they like to send us their deck list and things like that. So we love you more than you could think. And uh, we appreciate you. Outside of that, though, uh, hopefully you kind of come back, listen to us next week, ramble about things. We're back on a normal schedule. And hopefully we'll have a bit more results and see how the meta settles from there. Alex, anything else? Yeah, so we can have a little bit more discussion about like where it goes. Because now it was like, how is it? The Wild West. Oh, yeah. The end. Exactly. <laughs> but until then, like I said, we love you. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.